Hello, and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm Ben Mandelker. This is episode 166, and I am here with the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Trey Alsop. Hi, Trey. I thought you were going to say Paul. <laughs> He's like the man, the myth, the... The urban laugh. legend. The urban legend. <laughs> the, urban legend. <laughs> the man, the myth, the laugh. Mr. Paul Satachin. Hi, Paul. Hey, everyone. How are you doing? And uh, it's the three of us today. And uh, I mean, today we're, we're, it's just like we got a lot of board games to talk about. We don't have a featured game or anything. We just, but we have played maybe one will so emerge. So many. Maybe one will emerge. Who knows? It's new format. But no planned review. Like, no. Without a net, everyone. Without a net. Without a net. Who's a net? Who's a net? <laughs> that was the joke that was before the podcast. Who is a net? <laughs> Annette Funicelli, so <laughs> she'll be joining us next week. That's right. Her and Matt Damon. <laughs> yes. Funcello? Is it Funcello? I don't know. She's before my time. You just called me old. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay. I know. I couldn't think of any other. Annette Benning. Annette Benning. Okay. I was trying to think of the most current Annette in I don't pop think, culture. I, I don't think that, that is a, there's a, Annette is a popular name nowadays. Yeah, maybe it'll come back. I mean, we just need um, a YA novel to bring mm. it back. Like, um, is it like we're a kind of getting into Twilight. roast chicken territory here? I was about to say oh, we might get, sous vide roast chicken. You know, I listen. We don't need to be talking about Annette or chickens. We we're need to be about talking games, about board everyone. games. <laughs> we have a lot. We have a ton of board games we've played over the past week, week and a, week and a half for me. You've been binging. I think I've been binging. Um, well, I haven't actually been binging. I've just been playing a lot uh without us you've been i've been playing infidelity board no i've been infidelity. playing like to quote the u2 song i've been playing with and without you <laughs> <laughs> but you still just, haven't found just, what you're just, looking for just without, i have not just without we are recording on sunday sunday bloody sunday <laughs> anyway um no but we do have a ton um uh uh I don't know. I mean, I guess we can just get right into Let's it, right? right? Into There's it. nothing. Game night. Cue the music. Oh, 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 no, oh. No, I was kidding. Well, you know, the thing we is the Halloween. Anymore. Well, because, you know. Arr! Well, the thing is this. Wait, wait no, it, it, it's it Thanksgiving actually... now. So, like, game night. <laughs> well, actually. Okay, well, you know what? Let's start in the space of Halloween. And because Halloween was this week that mm-hmm. we are recording, I will give I will give a little game night. Game night. Because... Did you guys get to play games on Halloween? Because I got to play games on Halloween. I guess part of my game binge. Did I? No, I did not play games on Halloween. I, I don't think so. But this Halloween was crazy in my neighborhood. People clearly are like post-pandemic and are out in the streets. It was easily the most crowded Halloween. Tons of kids, tons of teenagers. Wow. Just completely overtaking Studio City. And I picked up uh, my girlfriend's sister in Pasadena and that network. That uh, neighborhood oh, was swamped. Oh, Pasadena's probably a mess. Did you? What candy did you provide the kids? Zero. Zero candies were provided to kids because I live in an apartment behind a gate. And so there were no trick-or-treaters that came by, especially because there is a happy hunting ground there in Studio City, south of Moore Park, where you know, the home values jump by about a million dollars just by crossing the street there. So That's where they go. <clears throat> I think I've actually driven down that street on Halloween. Or one of the... I've noticed in LA there are certain streets that 
the, the parents take their kids to. Like, this is right. the trick-or-treating this street. This is one of those, yeah. And one time I drove down that street on Halloween, and it was, I mean, I thought I was going to commit vehicular manslaughter because they're just children streaming into the road. Children and parents, and they're all adorable in their little cute felt costumes, but they are not following good pedestrian practices as it is a very exciting night in for this them. neighborhood at night on Halloween. <laughs> and so I was very nervous. I was going to run over a child. Well, like, so uh, Jake and I were talking about Halloween cause he has a kid. Yes. Uh, and I asked him if he ever like really went to town on getting candy. Cause I remember a year where I basically got two, maybe like grocery bags worth of candy of trick or treat, like, like, like a real haul. Like mm. basically I got one bag Went home, dropped off the other bag, and then I hit another spot. And it, it, it was like, you know, it was one of those things where I was thinking, like, I wonder if you could make a game out of this, like a like a optimization game where, like, you know, you're a kid, you're trying to get candy, and you're just walking around, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, but that's what I was thinking. The problem is with, I think, with a trick-or-treating game is that I don't, I, I feel like the game part of it would, would like, it's almost like splattery, you know, how are you going to, oh. like, make your best trick-or-treating path? But the thing is that, like, Generally speaking, there's not a lot of scarcity. Usually people bone up pretty heavily. If they're on a trick-or-treating path, they're going to get a lot of candy for those kids. But, but then there's a time limit because you can't stay out all night. And so right. so now it's an optimization where like in, in your costume could like uh, get you more candy. Or I'm, I'm, just, I'm just throwing out yeah. there. I'm spitballing here. You know, but it was Halloween and I, I, I recounted various stories of my Halloween past. I, mm. I am now a, a Halloween Scrooge. I, I went to go see Tar. <laughs> <laughs> scary yeah scary it, it, for different other reasons but like you know uh but yeah but it was it was just very interesting to me like how people experienced their halloweens as a kid my sister when she was like 11 or 12 optimized halloween mm. and her trick was second costume uh, she had a finite wow. number of houses to hit so she hit them twice that's uh, your that sister is a serial killer is intelligent i i um you know, I yeah, I, I don't think I ever optimized. I just sort of, I I just sort of. I mean, I had no choice. I just had to get in the car and wherever my parents took me. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's not like I got. got I couldn't no really. Okay. Well, I couldn't really try to. I didn't grow up in a suburban area where you could really just like mm-hmm. walk sure, sure. from right. house to house. I had to be driven to yeah, Jake, high, high density areas, yeah, and so yeah. um, I just was at the mercy of my parents and how long they wanted to do it. Yeah, yeah, Jake was in New York proper, so he never went to retreating. Like, you know, he just, he, he did, he oh. did. So, uh, let's go to the bodega. Uh, yeah. So, so, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so he had no real chopped cheese. I remember being a ghost once and I was really excited to be a ghost. I just had a sheet over my head and like a little cut out mouth. But when it came to mouth, no eyes, no, I, I had, yeah, I was walking into trees. No, I had eyes too. But what I discovered with that costume was that when it came time to actually grab candy it was very difficult and oh. i wound up having to stick my hand through the mouth the mouth, <laughs> the mouth of the scary. ghost that sheet, is pretty scary which that, actually is like sure. very guillermo del toro yeah. no, no, i yeah. love it I love like it. this little hand that comes out of the mouth and it feeds your eye <laughs> <laughs> but to combine, always remember that but to combine your stories like you know if your sister had a ghost costume and then it, oh on top of her other costume a quick change she, she yeah. could just go the house and then it was a variation you could do on that, ghost one of the toga costumes very easily had to not feature her face right? exactly that was an essential part of it is that right. there was a face costume and there was a non-face costume yeah this or is- yeah or she could have just had two masks but still i get it um so for my halloween i did something extremely spooky i played maracaibo uprising <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, Jordan, we've talked about several times now, I feel like, and on the podcast. I met Jordan through Candace, and Jordan lives like three blocks away from Candace me. Candace met Jordan through Jennifer. I'm assuming. Yes. Okay. It's so, been confirmed. Okay, it is confirmed. So everyone knows everyone. Um, but Jordan lives like three blocks away. So we've been gaming a lot ever since oh. we met, which has been really nice because it's just we're able to say, hey do you want to play a game and sure come on over or whatever so um he i i was like maybe i can find people to game on halloween i knew it'd be a long shot but actually jordan was up for it so um he came over he came over with a giant tote of bags and i mean a bag tote of games not a tote of bags that would have been Interesting. Either way, it's fine. Either way, I mean, I'm, I'm no, we're not fine. Judging. We're not, we're not bag. I actually, I mean, I do have a bag of bags. Let's. Everyone, I think, has a bag of bags uh, somewhere, like, right? But um, uh, so he brought over America. He brought over several games. We were gonna do War of the Ring. I'd never played it before, mm-hmm. but um, ultimately we decided on Maracaibo Uprising because I know Maracaibo did not really land very well with our group, mm-hmm. and so um. When things don't land well with the game brain group, it's a little harder to get them to the table, I find, because, you know... Back of the queue. Back of the queue, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because, you know, you're always going to have better luck getting games to the table that people want to play, mm-hmm. right? So I figured, like, this would be a really good chance. And I'd never, I hadn't played Uprising yet. I was really eager to try it. So we played it. Um, so this is the expansion? It's the expansion that came out last year, 2021. Is this the one that has the Jennifer card? It has. Not only does it have the Jennifer card, but I actually organically re- selected the Jennifer card from the card display. I, I picked it. I was like, ooh, I think I need that card. And I looked at it. I was like, it's the Jennifer card. So um, uh, I had the Jennifer card, and but, she well, was very useful to me. I needed to use her uh, sugar commodity. Was she OP? <laughs> she, well, I don't know if she was OP. But I definitely, she was not discarded. She was used with intention. <laughs> and um, uh, her her sugar commodity helped me get a quest in the game, which I was very happy about. But um, uh, but anyway, uh, so w- Uprising, one of, the, one of the big critiques of Maracaibo was that it was released as like a Pirates of the Caribbean game, but sort of uh, people, re- you know, there was a huge blind spot to the fact that these are actually real places where there was like real travesties done to indigenous people or people who already lived there. And so uprising, one of the thematic things that it does is that it, um, it, it tries to address that. So you can sort of, you can play from the point of view of not, of not fighting with colonists, but actually fighting against colonists. So I was really excited to see how that would work. Um, how did it work? Uh, well, so there's like a very confusing setup, by the way. So anyone who's going to play Uprising, just be ready for like a whole bunch of fussy setup because the game already has a fussy setup, but it was like extra fussy because you have to add cards. <laughs> You're here. really selling me. Here. Fuss plus. Fuss. Fuss forward. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, you know, there's a lot of you add cards here, do this there. But so the thing, so there's different modules and one, one module is that you can play where you are pushing back the colonists. And another module is that you can choose to either push back the colonists or, or fight with the colonists. And there's some other modules, but um, since Jordan was really kind of like the captain of this of this game experience, I didn't like really... We talked about them, but I, I sort of forget them, and I did not do any research. I did not like reprime my brain before mm-hmm. talking about this today. But um, when you fight... We played the module where you just strictly fight against the colonists. And um, 
what was really interesting about it is that it's it's a, it's mo- it's mainly the same game, but um, in Maracaibo, the base game you can fight with the very like Spain, England, or France, and as you as you fight with these 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 armies or these navies, um, you gain like influence with those nations. Do you guys remember that? Right. Sure. There's like these tracks, and so the more battles you fight alongside the English, the more you go up the English track. So English, French, and Spanish. English, French, and Spanish. The colonial powers, <laughs> just like in time. Paris, the Caribbean. Just it's just you know. <laughs> so so you're getting these, you're getting influence, and so um, even though this technique is this part of the game is thematically the most probably problematic of it, you know, it's also unfortunately most one of the most interesting parts of the game because you are trying to you're trying to go up really high on the english track let's say because that way at the end of the game uh england has the most presence in the caribbean or something Mm -hmm. like that sure this module that we played with stripped away all of that in fact and in fact that entire section of the game board is just not a part of the game it's not even used wow yeah and now what happens is when you play the game um, these these um, nations already have presence in the Caribbean, and you basically go into these cities and you use your combat points not to get a cube onto the space, but to push a cube off of the space. Hmm. Does that make sense? No, yeah, no. Um, and so the combat is actually very simple now. It's basically like you use these combat points, eradicate a cube, and that's it. There's no tracks that you go up on, on or whatever. So ups and there were, we found that there was some upside and some downside. Mm-hmm. Upside, obviously, the theme sits better. Uh, the other upside is that we found that we were exploring in the jungle a lot more, which we really liked. We also we also uh, found we're doing a lot more quests. It's two player. We just did a two player, mm-hmm. game. and I've also never played a two player, so I was really excited. So that was really fun. The downside is you do lose um, some really interesting gameplay that comes from all those tracks and trying to manipulate those tracks so you know but it's still ultimately super fun because i've always loved maracaibo trade you did not where were you on maracaibo you didn't like it that much right or I don't, that's right i didn't <clears throat> i didn't like it very much i didn't i only played it a couple of times i don't think i gave it a ton of chance uh I think I might have had a bad teach mm-hmm. originally. I, I don't know. But yeah, I struggled with it. I hated the way the rounds ended early, which was kind of like, is a feature yeah. of the game. But I think also, like, it, yes, it was one of these games where it was hard to get past the erasure of slavery and genocide yeah. <laughs> of, of oh, just the that. basic premise of, of, the, of the game. And so, like, I think it's interesting that, you know, Fister's been trying to kind of rehabilitate Mm-hmm. A number of his games, and like I haven't played the expansion, but it it also like this feels a little clumsy. It felt um, it felt like a thoughtful expansion, and it was, and I did like, I actually really liked that it de-emphasized combat because um, it felt like in the base game I was you're constantly going that rondelle trying to get combat points so you could do this combat, do all these things, and now you really are exploring. You're pulling so many more levers in the game now. So I did really like that. I just felt that what happened, though, the downside is that combat itself sort of gets really neutered um, and makes it makes it sort of sad to see it get that. I wish there had been like a replacement, something that was a l- like de-emphasized, it, but still kept it interesting. I mean, it's interesting. 
it's like base level interesting, but it really is scaled back so much. But I mean, I do think it's successful and I think it's really good to support these efforts to, mm-hmm. to, to correct blind sites in, in these thematic, you know, games. Sure. Um, also, some other modules that I am remembering, there's like some little player board mod, mm-hmm. uh, things that can give some asymmetric powers. You can get like a home port, which is basically a, a special thing that you can do or, or they're just little sort of mm-hmm. tweaks that are very fun. New player boards too, which like double like dual layered. Love that. Did Maracabo come out the same or like around the same era or year as like Francis Drake? I don't know. It's I later. Don't know. It's later. It's it definitely like 2019. later. 2019. Definitely later. Like there, there was, there's something think, about like I always compared it to Francis Drake, and I thought Drake was um, the same geographical area. Yeah, yeah. And it was just Drake just seemed more structurally interesting to me. So Maracabo's uh, 2019. Francis Drake's Drake probably like 15 or 14 or something. 13. Yeah. Yeah. Because so, yeah. I saw that at my first PGG. I played Drake and met the designer. Yeah, yeah. I remember when we, we I think we had a, a a period where we really liked Drake, where we we're playing Drake a lot. And then when Maracaibo came out, I was going like, oh, there, there are some like similarities here, where you know, where Drake, you can kind of rush to the end to get your uh, your ship prepped. Mm-hmm. And, and I go like, oh, that, you know. And mm-hmm. I had the same. I wouldn't say the same problems as you. Uh, I'm probably the cause of your problem, as I would rush the ending, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but like you know, but it it didn't have the same feel to me. Where not, I mean, not the game is more no. That's right. But that's a major difference. I think you're talking about like in a sense, both these games have very large rondels. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In a sense where we're this is like the core loop is like going around the map and in, yeah. In uh, Francis Drake, the, the kind of like the bigger rondel is the first half of every mm-hmm. round, which is you're stocking up in Portsmouth. Or, exactly. And I think the difference is that. You know, you can race ahead and kind of get the best rewards, or you can turtle it and pick up the lesser rewards, but more of them. Mm-hmm. But it's not like Maracaibo, where when you get to the, when a player gets to the end, that everyone else game, game just stops. Yeah, right. Like that felt really weird. Now, that's a defining feature of Maracaibo. Um, it was a feel bad thing for yeah. me, but it's not like it, but it's like that was part of the design. It's mm-hmm. something you're supposed to be taking into account of. I just didn't find that dynamic pleasurable. And also I just, Fister for me, like, I don't know why this is other, other than the great Western trails. I've not been clicking with you. They don't. I feel like, um, some, something about his designs. Just, I like, I see all of the gears yeah. and none of the love. Like I'm for in in well, in those games and like nice. Boon Lake's kind of like the worst, right? I still haven't. I'm so mad. I missed the Boon, <laughs> I still never I missed, Boon Lake. I missed the Boon Lake window, and I now it's like shot at Game Brain. So well, that's the thing. Like Maracaibo, else. like back at the I end mean, of the queue. Yeah, I think there's some valid criticisms of the narrative of Maracaibo, but it clearly has a narrative, mm-hmm. like a very understandable yes. narrative and theme that helps you understand what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And like, and whether it's you're visiting various ports of calls and engaging with these figures yeah. that have unique powers or you're exploring the jungle like that's very grokable that's a very understandable right. narrative and then you got it got to boone lake and you're in bizarro western but not really western yeah, land in which it. i like i really don't know like what we're I mean, doing I'm, in I'm, that game i mean i so i haven't played boone lake but if someone says oh we're in kind of like a some sort of landscape Earth landscape, <laughs> and we need to we need to build homes and kill the lands that way we can survive. I'm like, that's the narrative thread that works for me. That's all I need. But and I think theoretically, the, one, <laughs> one thing, one thing, one thing. I mean, I haven't played it, but I will say though that 
Um, you know, maybe if you're interested, you can try. If you're interested in Maracaibo Uprising, if you want to play it, we can get a gameplay in. But I wouldn't. I'm not going to force it on you. Um, but I think it's worth checking out. For we are in a nice I, time of year where there's a bunch of good options right now. So, so it doesn't games. feel like the time to be doubling it, back to give that, that game yeah. from two years ago another chance right now. Right. Um, you know, uh, but for those who are not slaves like we are to Cult of the New, like maybe they want to check it out. <laughs> but, um, but I Damn. mean, I, listen, I'm including myself in that. Yeah, but, no, but, yeah. but, but I mean, um, I, uh, I've, I've enjoyed Maracaibo so much like the underlying game. And Jordan and I had a really interesting gameplay because... You know, I know the some of the for some people the emergent meta is race to the end of the round, mm-hmm. and whoever does it first will be the one who who kicks ass. And there was some of that, but I think the fact that combat it has been minimized, mm-hmm. I think that has really impacted it because it used to be in the base game there's two places where you can do combat, and that's the only two places. And since combat was so important, if you were able to hit both those combat spots, like you were rocking it. But now, since combat's like just another thing you can do, I don't feel like it's quite as essential to be like, oh, I'm going to race that combat spot at the end of the round. So we were kind of like going different paces. Like some rounds, I was the fast one. Some rounds, he was the fast round. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's just a two-player game thing where you can kind of have some brinksmanship about your speed. Sure, and there's no Paul. And there's no Paul. Whoa, whoa. Like, whoa we we whoa. mentioned this last week, Trey. Hey, where's where, your where? card in Maracaibo, Paul? Uh, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The cook at the best. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but we, we talked about how, like, you know, like, you are probably the the biggest long game person in our group. Like, you know, like, I, I, my Fine. dubbing. I, I dub you. Pigeonhole me as the engine guy. That's right. Uh, you know. Uh, and, I'm a long and game I, person. And, I, and I'm, I think my actual criticism of Maracaibo was mm-hmm. I felt like there was a real lack of interactivity. And the interactivity there was was exactly the 100%. Ending, ending the round bit. That, that we are agree was upon. was not that interesting and or fun. Uh, yeah, that, I, I agree with you. I would say that's, yeah, there's, it's, uh, there's not a very strong counter to that. Mm-hmm. But I just think that the stuff that you are doing by yourself mm-hmm. is so fun. Like the card play. I love the card play and I love getting it, getting their combos going. I just, I, I just think Maracaibo's great. And I if I can it. defend myself just a little bit. Defend. This is, this is, this is Paul, me elevating you. I think you and I are actually of the same mind on most of games that we like because I think we both like high interactivity. Like 100%. I may be geared towards... Mm-hmm engines but if i'm doing my own thing in a game and what other people do doesn't really matter i'm probably thumbs down that's probably going to be a real loser for me yeah Yeah. well have did you get to play any really good interactive games lately did i get to play any really good interactive games (laughs) or just games well yeah let me just completely contradict myself because i um, (laughs) went to um, two weeks ago i was fortunate enough to be invited to john claire's house he had kind of like an industry day at his house out in shadow hills oh um, which is out there <laughs> that sounds like kind of on its orchid. kind of on its way to it's santa, on, santa Clarita. i'm about to say shadow hills sounds like it's on the edge of boone lake yes but other than it's like sound. it's in the hills and it's dry but anyway john, it, was, <laughs> it was actually very fun because it was a surprising amount of like youtubers and podcasters i guess there's a lot of them in the la area there and are. they were sh- and they were showing up there and I got to play a number of games, and like my favorite game was almost non-interactive <laughs> at all. Let me just point out my hypocrisy here. Well, no, I mean, look, we're allowed to say the things that we are drawn to that we really like, but and there's it, always going to be games. Exceptions. There's always exceptions. Yeah. There's always, always, always exceptions. So here, here was the big exception. Um, I got to play Let's Go to Japan, which is Josh Wood's 
new game, which will go, which will Kickstarter in the spring. Josh Wood did Isle of Cats. Mm-hmm. It is LA based uh, game designer, and Let's Go to Japan. I completely loved. Um, wow. And it's not that interactive, but it's kind of like a passing game, the way that Seven Wonders is, where you kind of draw cards oh, okay. and, and and pass them along. But the entire concept of Let's Go to Japan is most of the game is not actually like being in Japan. Oh, sure. It's planning to go to Japan. No, this Ooh, is, I and love a game about travel planning. It's Then you're going to love <laughs> Let's Go to Japan because most of the game is here are the six days you're going to be in Japan and you're drawing cards and there are different activities that you can do in either Kyoto or Tokyo. And so you're kind of laying them out and you generally can do like three things a day and you're taking trains back and forth between Kyoto and Tokyo to kind of like make this happen. And like you can actually like lose points if you're traveling a bunch. You like you have to you have to plan out your trip correctly. And then certain right. days are going to be like good shopping days. Other days are going to be good like good food days. Other days wow. are going to be like perfect day for relaxation or meditation or visiting cultural sites. So you're kind of like... So just the act of like taking these things that I'm making a choice of like, okay, here here are the two options I can do on my trip. I'm going to keep this one and I'm going to do it on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And even then, like I'm, I'm making decisions about, well, what am I going to do first on Tuesday? Right. Can I, can I put, you know, you know, can I actually have a block of Kyoto, you know, related activities in the middle of my trip to, to like lower my, my travel plans. So, and are there things like, oh, this museum's only open on these days of the week? No, it's not. It's not that restrictive, um, but you definitely get some rewards for kind of like just combining your things in in interesting ways and meeting certain thresholds. And part of it is also like when you go shopping, like you spend money and you get tired, mm. and then you can do other things that are going to make you relax wow. and kind of like recharge and <laughs> give, sex you, and give you sex tourism. give you happiness yeah there's there's some there's some weird options yeah you know like the weird <laughs> the, 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 the bathhouse bathhouses yeah, <laughs> yeah it's 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 absolutely that type of thing and what was what was the final thing oh and then it has a really fun it's like sometimes you don't know exactly what you're going to do like i don't want to do any of these things you know what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna leave space to take a walk Oh. on Tuesday. And then so what will happen then is like w- the first two thirds of the game are planning your week. The final third is just scoring where you actually like go through the mm-hmm. days of the week and you score things. But that's when you actually like now I'm taking my walk on early on Wednesday morning and you flip it and like, what do I what do I come by? Oh, and so it's just a, like you can oh. discover something oh, God, while, while you're taking yeah. walks. So I you can kind of hear this. I was like giddy about this. Yeah. Because I was playing this and the art's beautiful. Um and it was just so much fun to play that like this is a sign of a of a good game, is we got to the end and there were scores, people had scores. Didn't matter at all. Yep. Are you guys all sharing your itineraries with We're each other? We're LARPing the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, especially when you get to the end, you you are doing your travelogue. And we're just doing it day by day. Like, we get everybody's Monday. Mm-hmm. We get everyone's Tuesday. We get everyone's Wednesday. And you're just narrating what you're sure. doing that day. Is like, now I'm taking a walk. And I come across this monkey sanctuary. Oh, it happens. How relaxing. <laughs> it recharges my, my energy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that, that type of thing. Oh, and that means that I do, you know, like this. this Unless there's a viral outbreak of some sort. But I did not draw the viral outbreak. <laughs> it's an expansion. Uh, I have a question, though. So we're, I mean, I, I, I definitely see how this sounds like it's very much like a sort of a solitary game. But is there like a uh, like a common pool, like a draft thing that you, like, 
you're competing over cards to take or something. Like, so the the central thing that you're doing is kind of a seven wonders style. Oh yeah, you did say mm-hmm. that draft where a lot of times. What you're doing is you'll pull a couple of cards. You'll pull a Kyoto card and a Tokyo card. You'll look at them. You'll take you'll take one and then you'll put one to the person to mm. the left. And then like we're gonna play a couple of rounds. At certain points, you actually pick up this stack of cards that have been passed to you, and you'll like keep two out of four. You know, it's not as clean as maybe right. like Seven Wonders mm-hmm. is of like you're you're just going through the through the rounds, but generally you're making a decision and you're passing. And so if you were really paying attention to what's going on in front of you, you might kind of know what's coming your way by what mm. the person who's yeah. upstream from you is not is not doing type is of thing. Is it like around like 45 minutes, 30, 30 45 minutes? Or it's actually like a five-hour game. It's really 10. weird. It like, it's like Western Empires. It's like, no, it's exactly, someone it's said it's Western like, Empires, but like the tourist edition. It's just like just under an hour. We stretched it out because we were like LARPing the hell yeah. out of it. Um, but so, it sounds so tons fun. of fun. I know I'm going to get it and play it with Jenny. So this was kind of like immediately like, hey, people are gonna love this game. It's gorgeous. I, I'm. This is this I, is gonna be a good one. I love when busy work gets turned into a game, and like, I mean, I personally, I love planning like a little vacation sure. mm-hmm. stuff. But for some people, they actually hate that. But I love that when it's in like game form. Suddenly, suddenly it's like, oh, this is so delightful. Like, like two 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 comments or questions. Like, uh, first is like. Does this feel like the same vibe as like Mad King Ludwig, where it doesn't really matter what the score is? You're just kind of creating the narrative of your uh, of your castle. Yeah, but lighter. Uh huh. Lighter than Ludwig. And secondly, it's more of a comment. Like I want to play this game with Tom and have him have the worst. <laughs> okay. I wish there was a way you could. Tom in real life is quite good at this. Game. That's right. That's right. And, yeah. and so it, to, for him to have like the worst, you know, like oh, I'm always on the train. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish there was like some some element where at the end everyone's created their itineraries and there's some sort of like judging uh-huh. of like what is considered the, the, the best, best itinerary. Yeah. I don't know how you build that in because everyone's going to vote for their own itinerary. Or and I feel like you know if you had some sort of AI where AI chooses what they want the most, that sort of I, I think it would be fun to then everyone's going to cater their their trips to the AI. I like when people cater to what to themselves and then like or, or, some or, sort of well you have the ai like it has various variables that you don't know so at the very end you reveal the variables <laughs> they go like here's my trip you know i'm just saying like if we're, if we're not going to play for points <laughs> but we're playing for you know experience you know then that's... i like the idea that everyone's like a competing travel agency yeah. or something and yeah. saying like this is what we this is a package we a vacation package we can put together for you and then you know oh Put it up on Instagram and see. It's it. very successful at creating narratives. I think it's going to be a mm-hmm. recurring theme of this episode. Is like it's an understandable narrative, and then it creates a narrative. Everybody's trip was mm-hmm. completely different, but it also at the end of the thing you would end up describing your game the way that you would describe a trip, a trip to Japan, yeah. where you're like, I had a great time. Mm-hmm. I bought, I did some great shopping, but I was so exhausted. Yeah. As opposed to another trip where you're like, you know what? I just took it easy on this one. <laughs> you know, I didn't worry about you found know, the monkey, monkey the sanctuary. <laughs> but it, like, it was spiritually is very uplifting. I saved a bunch of money. I felt like I got a really good. Like that's the kind of narrative that you emerge from the trip is the like the mm-hmm. the after narrative of, of of why the trip was great or not great or whatever. It's it's all there. I think the and it also seems like a system if if successful could expand to so many different cities. Oh yeah, locations. Uh, uh, I'd love to see an LA one, a New York one, a Paris one. Hundred percent. This is maybe a, Sydney, Australia, Paul. I, maybe I, you could consult. You know, I I used to live in Australia. Yeah, you could consult on that. Um, so back know. to my hypocrisy though. Yes, because um, this was <laughs> not especially interactive in kind of the same way that like Seven Wonders is not especially 
interactive. Like it, it doesn't even have like the military oh, fighting sure, sure, sure. have right. in in Seven Wonders, but. It also like fits in a different category in my mm. brain. Like this is not I'm not thinking this in the same headspace that I am of like, okay, mm. we're gonna sit down, we're gonna play Agricola or some mm. other, you know, medium to heavy Euro mm. that's gonna take three hours or four sure. hours. It's like it's definitely like it's a first game. It, it, it's, it's a, a first yeah. game well, type of Sometimes game. also like if a game does something so incredibly mm-hmm. well. It can break all your other rules. Mm-hmm. It can yeah. break all your rules of what you like in a game, whatever. If it does one thing like like undeniably well, you just will love it for that thing that it does, you know. And by the way, speaking of um, of first games and John D. Claire, can I? Is it is now a good time sure. to mention Ready Set Bet? Your favorite, so, your new favorite, Ready Set Bet. Like, Ready Set Bet. Like I feel like what you're describing are, oh, and what you're you described and what you're about to describe are like a, a fun pump. <laughs> like, you know, there's a little pump for like you get a square like fun they're quick that's right they're quick and they and, you know like, it, it doesn't matter what the rules are it's it's like a like a haiku of fun yeah i like the idea of a fun pump. to go with the japanese you know well right we played this at like, match the other night and you did not actually play the game but you may have had the best time i had I mean, I've been thinking about it all week. I would have to say, <laughs> like, we don't, we don't actually have a, we don't ever have a thing on this podcast where we say, "Hey, what was your game of the week?" Which maybe we should, oh, by yeah, the way. Sure, sure. But if I were to say my game of the week, which really is amended to the past three weeks since I was like the last time I was on the podcast, right? I think it was Ready Set Bet. I had such an extraordinarily fun time playing this game, uh, and I wasn't, like you said, really playing it, and we didn't even <laughs> finish the whole game. But it's basically it's designed by John DeClaire. It came out last week, and it's it's like horse betting. You know, this is this is it's wits and wagers kind of it's for like, no, 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 yeah, can't it's stop. Like, it's like, like it can't, can't stop. stop. It's it's like horse racing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's basically there's a horse race. There's these these several horses. You can use an app that will will narrate a horse race, and while the horse race is happening. Everyone at the table. Oh, there's an app that actually will do all of that dice rolling for you. But I, but from that would um, take away all your fun. Yeah, I I agree. I really enjoyed the 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 fun, which I'll explain what what my my role was in this in a moment. But um, uh, the app, I I haven't experimented with the app, but I think I saw that the app sort of has like pre-recorded races in it. So I like just the you never know what's going to happen with the dice rolling. I like I like seeing the, the the randomness of dice rolling. In person, because what happens is that I, as I was the the horse, I was the race runner, I guess you could say, the race roller. The announcer, I was, yeah. I was the announcer, and I would roll dice, and based on the number of the die, dice, uh, the horses would go forward. And so you have, you have a horse that's horse number seven, you have horse number four, horse number six, there's horse two, three, there's horse 11, 12. Boxcar. Boxcar. And so what would happen is... <laughs> If you roll an 11, the 11-12 goes forward. If you roll a 12, the 11-12 goes forward, etc. But what's really interesting about the game, this is where it's can't stoppy, is that it plays with the probabilities of um, of numbers being rolled. So the number, if you roll a number two times in a row, the horse gets bonus movement, and the the the, the more fringy horses, like two three. Mm-hmm. You get a bigger, you get a bigger uh, a bonus Boners, movement, yeah. big bigger boost, and seven, the most common number, gets no bonus movement. So, what happens is you have this dice rolling, and you have these little horses that that I, as the announcer, are moving along, and um, and everyone else at the table 
there's a giant thing of bets. Who's gonna Who's gonna win the race? Who's gonna place or show? Places well, like top two, show is top three. And and, and you know these bets have uh, multipliers on them. So basically, you yeah. know, uh, you, you basically the whole game uh, is uh, you picking. You have like how many? Four or the yeah, five like, five tokens? I think four or five, and it depends on player count too. And and they're they're worth a certain amount of money, and you're just laying your bets. In real time. In real time. As the race progresses. Exactly. And and ultimately there's the, the tension of like, do you wait to see, you know, who's in the lead and then put your bet? Or do you bet early uh and uh grab, lock it and grab the spots that have a better return? Exactly. Right. Because but, it's like um if like if you if you think horse number six is gonna win the race, there are three bets you can make to say I think it's gonna win. The one and there one bet is not only is is has a good multiplier, like if you put your three chip down and has the multiplier will let's say the multiplier seven is times, seven, yeah. so yeah. you'd get like twenty one dollars if you get the seven. So, but there there are like worse spots, so you want to bet early so that way you can get a good multiplier. Yeah, the other spot might be six times, and the third spot might be five times, and in, and even worse than that, there's actually like negatives if you don't win yeah. on those spots too. So they're really like rewarding you for calling your shot early. Yeah, but then on top of that, there's all sorts of other bets. Like you can bet on the color horse because they're the horse are breaking down. Diff- there are different tiers of colors. You can bet there's a prop bets where you're mm-hmm. like, I think a blue horse is going to beat all the yellow horses. And then there's bets, there's exotic finishes, which is that every horse, or I'm sorry, not exotic bets. Like, oh, I think every horse is going to at least get to space number six on the racetrack. Or, oh, I feel like the winning horse is going to be only one spot ahead of the two horses behind it. So there's like all these things you can bet on. And you can start with a ton, of options, ton right? of options that you're trying to like make sense of in real time as the race plays out and like the thing that was surprisingly successful about the game was how much it felt like an actual horse race because yeah. i was not especially down for this game <laughs> yeah but i was like I it's fine you don't, you it's don't a, like real time games right no 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 i was fine with that but it's like semi real true time, we yes always stop yes it. and but but <laughs> it's just you. kind of like that this didn't feel like, oh, yay, we're going to play a horse race game. But then we started playing it, and it's like, oh, I'm actually getting involved. Like, yeah. despite myself, it felt like a horse race. I was getting my bets mm-hmm. in early. I was having regrets. Mm-hmm. I was starting to curse the dice, as I do. Yeah. You know, and so it successfully put me in an emotional headspace of observing a horse race. Yeah. And it, and it, and it, sim- and it simulated that. Very successfully. It was, to me, it actually felt like a, a, a near perfect marriage of gameplay and theme. Like it was, the theme was mm-hmm. go into a horse race and you're betting. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is you're betting. I mean, you're basically what he did was he took a classic game, horse, horse betting, and he made a board game of it. And, you know, the difference of why it's not gambling, because there was a discussion on BGG about like, mm-hmm. isn't this just gambling? The difference is that you're not taking your winnings and then putting them on the number uh, of the horse number and trying. You just you just have these tokens. So that's right. And if you lose if you lose your bet, um, you don't lose by a multiplier. It's usually like you might lose five dollars or three dollars or something like that. But you're never knocked out of the game. Well, and for- it's also not like wits and wagers where you can make bigger and bigger bets as your bankroll mm-hmm. grows. Like yeah. Your your bankroll is pretty much set there's a few little twists on that and like some powers open up in the game because but you always feel like you can still you're totally in well, Wait, Paul. I, I, I made no money first round all my bets were were, were garbage so i started <laughs> i started off like at like at no bank by second uh by a second round and by the end i came in second by and i could have won it was only a few dollars yeah, yeah. so uh it was 
and so as the so I was the announcer, which I did because I was so interested by it. But I also I liked actually not having the stress of having to make bets. And there is <laughs> there is there is a variant where the, actually the, the announcer can make bets too. Mm-hmm. There's like a thing you can do. Um, but I could not believe how much fun I had rolling the dice because like I was seeing what all you guys were doing, and it was really fun. Um, sort of amping mm-hmm. up, you know, uh, it's like, oh, I know Paul really wants this one. I, you know, Paul really wants boxcar, so I'd be like, boxcar. <laughs> and at one point, Matt. Yes, so, Matt started to threaten you. Well, so Matt did an exotic bet. Mm-hmm. I think in the second, we did three races. Yeah. Matt did an exotic bet. Normally bet. it's four, I think. Right yeah, there. normally it's four. Matt did an exotic bet in the second race where he did the one where all the horses get to spot six on the track and then he would win. And he had one one horse, the two three horse was the only one that didn't make it, and he was like bummed. And then the, for the third race, he did it again, but he waited because like the the the, the fringy horses had passed it, uh-huh. and the only one that had not really gotten out of the gate was number seven, seven lucky the seven. Most, so it's like, well, clearly, <laughs> number seven is the most common one. It's the only one behind. Yep. I'm gonna go for this. So he goes for this bet, and. I'm rolling, and these horses are getting closer and closer to the finish line. And which seven triggers is, the end, yeah, which yeah. triggers the end. All the yeah. horses stop, and number seven has like been rolled a few times, and it's like, well, surely it'll happen. Then it's like, okay, just need two sevens to come up before the end of the race, and like number one, number or number number two, like snake eyes, snake eyes, and we're like, when is number seven gonna hit? And I was like, please let number seven hit because if if number seven doesn't hit, I sort of got the vibe from Matt that he might say. It was a nice game. Probably won't play it again. But I was like, please let it hit. And then it hit. It hit like at the last second. It was like yeah. the second to last roll. Seven finally hit. And he, and he won his bet. And he's like, ah! And I was like, yes, the game has been saved. You know, but like, Saved from the end of the queue. <laughs> saved from being with Boone Lake. But, um, <laughs> from being Boone Lake. But I, um, I had so much fun as the announcer. I'm watching you guys. And the first race, you guys were like, come on. Come on. All right. Number seven. Second race was like, come on, number two. Come on, number three. Boxcar. Number six. Like, everyone was so into it the second race. Yeah. I mean, like, Matt challenged me at, you know, like, you know, because I came in zero. goes, oh, you don't want to be Paul. I was like, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) what does that mean? It's like, I was was very aggressive with my betting. I bet early. I, you know, and I. Yeah, you had to take long. But you bet early on boxcars. Yeah. Exactly. Which is double sexes, by the way. Yeah. And I was, I was, I was making some swings. And and then, like, you know. And it worked boxcar one. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and people were like, like, everyone was getting like maybe $14. They got $51. It was like, like, oh, yeah, we have a problem now, Matt. (laughs) Well, but also, I felt like we sort of start to feel like the the little wooden horses are real horses Mm -hmm. because, like, oh, four and six are out to a strong start. Oh, it's four. And then it was, we had like, it felt like over horse race where four and six kept on getting rolled. So four would go forward, mm. then six, then four, then six. We're like, come on. And then they just, just stopped. Mm. And it was like, I can't believe they stopped. Why would they mm. stop? It's like, oh, because they're not real horses. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's dice and yeah. it's just pure luck. But when that, when Boxcar yeah. came out of nowhere, because we had like two, like we had yeah, like yeah. 11 and 12. So it had like four movements. That, oh, oh, man. And then at one, and I remember like I raised my hands. I was like, Boxcar. <laughs> I wasn't even invested. I just was so excited by the drama of it all. No. Like, I, I think this game is amazing for uh, for a certain group. Like, you know, I imagine if you're a bunch of statisticians and you're just like 12, mm-hmm. 11. The proper move is six. <laughs> and, 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 so, and so, like, you're like, you have to be willing to give a little emotion to it. 
Yeah. Uh, but like it will, it will, it will fun pump your emotion. It will. <laughs> yeah. And, that's that's not that different than the Let's Go to Japan. Yeah. Like if you if you're not narrating the ending, you're just mm. like I think some people will just play that final round and go. I have ninety eight points. Yeah. Like that would be that would be totally possible. Or you can actually spend ten minutes larping it. And like those are different groups. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important. To I know what group I belong time. to. <laughs> yeah, you are part of the insatiable fun group, Trey. That's very generous of you, Ben. I'm no, not that's sure true. that's true. No, you are. You are. You know, you are a very fun person. And I think, like, I thought. I feel like finding the vehicles for your fun is is always the, the exceptions. No, those. That's always an exciting. You're thing. really undermining my Grinch reputation. Here. Well, no, because I would like to take over that reputation. Oh, <laughs> but you may be successful. I might be, but either way, I, I do also want to point out that <laughs> we've got some other games to get here. We do here have on some the other list. ones, but I, the last thing I just want to say about Ready Set Bet is that it does play up to nine players. Including, oh, sure. Meaning that the announcer would be the sure, ninth sure. player, but there you could do a variation. And if you do the app, then all nine players. It's another do one it, like so. Wits and Wagers where I would totally break that out with like my family, my mm-hmm. extended yeah. family group. You know, at Thanksgiving, I was really bummed that uh, that I wasn't In able fact, to make it to Tom on Friday because I was going to bring it and I thought it would have been a great opening game for because Tom always has a lot of people you know and I mm-hmm. thought at the beginning or the end of the night would have been like mm-hmm. such and you know Tom I think will love Ready Set Bet I think he will be the announcer and he will do his he will do old timey horse racing voice like ah oh, here we go I tried to do that for like 10 seconds I was like these races last a little bit longer than you it sounds like a nightmare of Tom narrating <laughs> the announcer i think he would have a great time playing it so yeah anyway, I, I i highly recommend it i've been waiting to play it ever since so we're really undermining our reputation as kind of like grizzled you know euro players know. here we have to be more gatekeepy i think <laughs> um <laughs> well, again we'll get to that here in the um yeah like i think this is like a good game for, for children no yeah. good uh, not great Paul, yeah, good, not great. Paul, do you have what? Did you, what have you played recently, Paul? Well, uh, I, I believe right after uh, Ray set bet, you, me, Dimitri, yeah, was it with the threesome? Just the three of us. Yeah, we, we played Autobahn. Yep, and uh, and and that's basically uh, you're building the Autobahn in Germany. Yeah. That's, 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 that's really all it is. I mean, talk about a raucous, fun time of yes. a theme, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, basically, you have a player mat, you have a deck of cards, you're playing the cards onto the mat, and it unlo- you know you do various things. You can uh, build a road, as you would, because it's the Autobahn, uh, mm-hmm. build a station, like gas stations, or upgrade roads, or you know just various powers that unlock that relate to uh, the civil engineering game that it is. <laughs> The long-awaited civil engineering masterpiece. Uh, that's right. Masterpiece. Uh, German civil engineering game. <laughs> uh, and uh, and we, we played three out of... When no, we two, played two out of three eras. Yeah, yeah, two or three eras. Because like, we played Ready, Set, Bad. Yeah, exactly. And, so and it was such a, a ruckus. Uh, such a fun pump. Yeah, and... and from, from fun pump to gas pump. Yeah, oh, nice, nice, yeah. nice. Uh, so, you know, so basically the first two rounds uh, is West Berlin and the third round is East Berlin. Opens up so you could build that. So we didn't get to see that evolution. Mm. But like, you know, you get various, they're like a, a route building a- aspect to it where uh, you can, if you can build from like France to whatever, like, you know, Cologne or, or, or yes, I, I, is, is that like German city? Mannheim, like you want to build from Mannheim like, to whatever, like, Hamburg or something. Like, and, so, and so you do these and then what will happen is like you'll score more points and upgrade various things. Uh, 
uh, that will, well, you know, basically give you end game points. Like the, basically yeah. the, the movement is like, there's the map. And then every time you do something on the map uh, or near every time, like you get to put a meeple onto this boardroom, get enough people onto the boardroom. They shift into the lobby. And once they go to the lobby, you'll be able to upgrade them to a end game condition. Yeah, it's it's kind of like you work in like a local like if you if you build a road, you're now gonna like work in the local field office, and then you've been in that field office long enough that you get promoted you get promoted to the corporate, and then once you're in corporate, you get like sent up the corporate chain. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> and so and, and, and which is, you know, completely fine. Like it's it's a it's a very rockable idea and it feels within theme. Yeah. You know, like I, I I'd be interested to see how it plays out once round three happens. Yeah. Because like you are getting slowly more powerful like you know in rounds one and two uh and uh the problem with one and two is that like there's only so much you can build and so all of a sudden round three happens east germany is completely wide open and it'd be interesting to see how your powers you know mm-hmm. relate to a new empty field yeah it's like almost like you're building your engine exactly or no pun intended uh, there's trucks <laughs> yeah and so like i thought it was uh i thought it was really fun like you know i, I have quibbles about uh the size of the game as far yes. as like the physical size yes uh because i go like oh i have to squint a little bit to to put the roads in and it feels like the lettering is is smaller for mm. you know but aside from that i thought that it was completely accessible for our game group like you know like like you could explain it and like you know dimitri uh and i both had you know your your teach was pretty like in line with what we could absorb right. and you know and despite the fact that you know, Dimitri kept on getting pings from. Despite the fact that Dimitri was was on his phone for a good amount of that, yeah. but, we, but we but we razzed him. We did we did the thing that one does when teaching a game and someone does that. You just ridicule them I, until they're ashamed into putting. Down oh, their phone. there was this point where like I go like, okay, and so he was getting dinged, and then like he was looking and he was typing and ding and <laughs> typing, and I go. That's not right. So they eventually, like you know, uh, Ben and I browbeat him to put his uh, phone in his pocket, and then I just start texting him. I just keep. So here, here here's Dimitri just trying to focus. It's going ding, 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 ding. <laughs> send, send, send. Uh, and that, and I think I won that game. <laughs> that side quest. I won. Well, you know, despite that, all, I mean, like like you said, I I actually felt like. Like Dimitri, dis- despite having had some distraction mm-hmm. in the beginning of the rules, he was. Yeah. I thought he was largely fine. He, like in terms, he of, was doing like, well. He was winning. Had, like he was actually, yeah, he was winning. <laughs> Dimitri was so good at the game. Um, like, it turns out like German logistics, German right. highway logistics, is really Dimitri's sweet spot. I always knew. It, I knew it. I knew I it. I knew it. <laughs> but um, uh, I agree. I think that the game, the uh, the whole presentation, mm-hmm. could be like twenty percent larger. Mm-hmm. Just. Just a little bit. I have to say, by the way, this game went on Kickstarter in April. Okay. And it was Oh, it's delivered. Yeah. It's like, I mean, how fast is that? That was like a six month turnaround yeah. from pledge to playing, mm-hmm. which I have to really, really like commend know, that. Co- commend that. Yeah. I don't by, know. by the way, the um the designer, Fabio Lopiani, and also well, I'm gonna look it up in the meantime. But um, I, uh, I I really enjoy the game quite mm-hmm. a bit. I'm like you. I want to see how it plays out all the way. I played a two-player game with Candice. Mm-hmm. That was the two- online online back in April, and that's I had so much fun playing it. That's what mm-hmm. made me want to pledge. Um, I think what I really like about it is that it's um, it's one of those games where 
everything you do opens up opportunities for other people. So it's like, mm-hmm. if I build this little piece of highway, then someone else is going to mm-hmm. be able to put down a service station or someone else be able to claim a bonus. Or if I do this highway, if I upgrade this highway, my person gets sent to a desk in the field mm-hmm. office, but then now Paul gets promoted. And it's one of, it's just one of those games where you are constantly actually looking at what other people mm-hmm. are doing and you want to time things so that way people don't, benefit mm-hmm. as much from what you're doing you're trying to be efficient by your actions you're building these routes but as you build the routes you're trying not to help other people's routes and um also i mean there are these trucks that i love <laughs> <laughs> no, well it's well what's cool about the game is that like it's route building yeah like you said like an age of steam well, I mean, but to be fair like you don't you're not going to build a route in a direction that the map doesn't allow you to it's it's, it's basically right. like you're fulfilling routes Right. But like there are a lot of times where our route, like my route overlaps with your routes in certain Mm -hmm. ways. So I'm going to try to do the stuff on my part of the route that's not being overlapped. But the truth is that like, I'm like, I don't want to upgrade this because to make Paul's route more profitable. And and, and you had the same look too with that eye roll and like, (sighs) yeah, I was like, (sighs) but then you like, I have to do this because I get a benefit in another way. So there's a lot of that. But by the way, the designers, Fabio Fabio Lopiano and Nestor Mangone. Mm hmm. Um, but what I really like among, there are two things I really like about the game. First of all, the card play, it all is, everything happens because of card Mm -hmm. play. And it's one of those games where you just have these multicolored cards. And if you play a purple card and decide to use the purple card to do a highway build action, that means you're going to build a highway on the purple part of the board. Or if you're going to do a white card with the the service station thing, you're going to build a gas pump on the white part of the board. So you Matt, like ha- where you put your cards down and how you do all that matters. It matters. Yeah, I'm not really doing a great pitch about yeah. why it matters, but it just it matters. It ma- and yeah. it, it's like when you play your white card. In the beginning, we all have the same deck. If you play your white card, once that card is down, you can't do another action in that region because your white card is down. So that's why you were really opening up opportunities for other people. Because if you wanted to spam an area like the white part of the auto bomb. Mm-hmm. You kind of can't unless you spend an action to pull back mm-hmm. your cards. So that's really cool. I really like that a lot. But also, I love that this is route building, but also pick up and deliver. Mm, yeah, totally. You know, because there's like the trucks. Like when you play, like there's a, a, a building on your turn, you do some, do an action. And then also, um, if the color that you play, if you play like a purple card to do whatever action you're doing, and you have a truck that's on the purple Autobahn, your truck's going to move. And so you're moving your trucks along the Autobahn. So you're having like the interaction of like the actions and the interaction of the trucks. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's really great. Like I, I'm curious to see once, once, you know, we play round three, cause I think that's, that's really going to shape how I feel about the game. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how much longevity it has. Like, cause mm-hmm. right now, like I'm describing it and I, and I think of it like, it's really fun. I go, are there secondary, tertiary, ancillary reactions that make it like really, really pop? And I don't even know if I know now, even because I've only played like, you know, the two rounds, uh, if it's going to have that like long term depth or is it going to be, you know, a 10 game, you know, thing where like, so, but right now it, it looks very promising. Yeah, I mean, I felt like there was a part of me that feels like we there were things that we didn't really take advantage of. Like there's actually a deck building aspect of the mm-hmm. game that we that you can only build your deck out by going for certain specific bonuses in the game because there's bonuses everywhere. And I felt like we were focusing on one aspect of the mm-hmm. game, but we weren't focusing on that part. And I wonder, like, how does the game change when you play more with the, the deck building? 
Yeah, I, I, normally I would try to adjust my deck. Uh, I felt like it did not allow... It, the way I would describe it, it didn't allow me to to go into one direction so fully. It would require... If I were to do that, I would have to plan it, and it wouldn't see the fruits of it until round three. Like, mm-hmm. if you really were to, to work on a, a certain free... Like, you know, part of the Autobahn, it would require you to have a certain number color of certain card. You'd have to spend two decks, uh, two eras, to kind of, like, start creating that deck. Yeah. Uh, so... It, it's interesting because I don't normally enjoy games that like force balance, mm-hmm. but this was not. It was not problematic for from a fun perspective for me. Yeah, I, I really would like to see your reaction to it, Trey. I think that like I can't tell if it would be something that you would really um, click with you or not. I feel like you would like it, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough. I looked over at you playing it, mm-hmm. and it didn't look like you were loving it when no. you were playing it. But no, I mean, like I, I, I think it's <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know if there was anything like fresh and new where I go like, oh, I haven't seen this this kind of mechanic or this twist before. I felt like it was put together in a way that I go like, oh, it all makes sense, and it's all like you know, it's it's, it's tasty. Like you know, like there there is. Uh, I'm going to use a bad analogy, so I apologize. But like, I think of uh, the the musical artist Pink. <laughs> and, and, and I and I go okay. Uh, I'm already all right. We're in. Okay, so I go. Is she anyone's first choice? Mm, you know, wow. and I I don't think I don't know many people who pink is their first choice. But she, I know people who like she's like top five or where or you know what a game a game. Uh, you know, our Great Western Trail is our is, is Great our, Western Trail the pink of board games. It is it, it, for our group because that actually, that's actually a very good. That's actually a very very apt comparison. I think. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Whether no. this is actually accurate about pink at all, but at least in in pink. our mythology, <laughs> pink is a lot of people's fourth or fifth. It, like like uh, everyone, I think everyone generally likes pink. Mm-hmm. I like, have no negative feelings about pink you know what? whatsoever. That's the thing. I don't think there are too many people who are like. Ugh, I hate pink. And pink has been around since like 98 yeah. or 99 that's right and she's been like she sort of felt if pink came out with a uh, a song right now mm-hmm. i think it would feel it would get radio play yeah. it's relevant you know mm-hmm. like i think she like, really is the great western trail <laughs> of of pop <laughs> or vice versa yeah so, so so this this is how i feel about uh autobot in the sense like there is nothing so amazing about it that I access. I go like, oh, this is new. This is revolutionary. This is or, or whatever. But it all goes together in such a way that you're like, oh, this is good. Yeah, this is good. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to think if there's something new or not because I, I feel like that sometimes it's a little weird to say that, like, because in the sense of like, you know, who cares if there's anything new? Exactly. You know? exactly. But, but like, um, but I do think that actually the route building felt pretty fresh to me i thought the color coding of the card play mm-hmm. was really clever and how that integrated with the route building and how you how you um unlock sounds like we've got board. a review coming up i would love to uh, yeah. i would love to um I, I think it was really an interesting game unlike I'll, this episode sometimes we do reviews we do do reviews but instead we're just gonna get we're giving our our hot takes on some hot games that we've been we've been playing lately well, we're without net we're we're without a net that's right you know <laughs> We're with, we're totally without a net. And by the way, since you did bring up Pink, before we get to our next game, we should mention that Paul 
Paul is trying to do his own game of not let's go to Japan, but let's go to Taylor Swift. <laughs> thank and, you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> and Paul's trying desperately to get to Phoenix to see Taylor Swift. So if uh, anyone uh, Glendale, knows Arizona. Ta- Glendale, Arizona, not Glendale, California. So if anyone knows Taylor Swift and can get Paul an invitation. Or just has a wheelbarrow full of cash for you. That's, that's right. Like, We're uh, going to start a GoFundMe uh, uh, for Paul. So, so, so here's some context. Like, uh, uh, trade girlfriend and, and, and I enjoy pink we were going to go see pink no, taylor swift taylor, we both enjoy pink but we love but taylor swift a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and so like we had plans to go see uh taylor swift at the sofi uh stadium stadium like you know about two years ago and then lo behold covid yeah and so like that 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 was real bummer for like because we we were like uh, you know we signed up we were waiting in line the virtual line buying tickets should we get this ticket should we get you yeah. know it, it was it was an ordeal we were very very happy with what we got and um although i i believe jenny was going like oh you sure you don't want to get the pit mm. <laughs> you sure oh, you don't want she you? was ready to go all yeah, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I go like no i think these are the these i, yeah. I think the pit was sold out by the time like we Anyway, so you so, had done something where you like had to didn't you like join a special group or get a credit card or something well, like, like this let, in let, order to even qualify? No, no, like, I, I had for the I had, tickets. I had what you call it? I had from a prior thing. I had like a a Ticketmaster uh, what you call it uh, priority something. Oh. So, so anyway, and so now like uh, Taylor Swift has uh, come out, you know, with her new uh, tour, new tour, and like her, you know, and her, it's going to run for like a year. Yeah, and it, she yeah. doesn't come to SoFi until the very end until til August. So, oh. like, from the beginning of the tour, it's, like, eight months later before mm-hmm. she gets to L.A., and so this is why, especially, mm-hmm. you were looking at Glendale, because uh, that's Air- the beginning of the oh, tour. exactly. Okay. And, and yeah. so, like... You can't wait. You can't wait any longer for T-Swift. And, and so, like, I... I'm Jenny at, cannot. I believe that. I'm at dinner. I'm, I'm talk, hanging out with the wife and some people, and then all of a sudden, I get ding, you know, and then this Jenny goes, hey, did you sign up for the uh, for the pre-reg yet? And it goes, no. And then something... That, thousand dollars for pit tickets i'm like i don't that's, have a thousand dollars to go that's a lot it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a bit so we're starting gofundme <laughs> <laughs> or if anyone wants to start a gofundme to go to see taylor swift please let me know he is kidding uh, yeah. i am kidding yes but like but so that that is that is the context that's of the his, joke that's that is his uh his struggle for the next <laughs> i love that this months. was the tidbit we had to get into the podcast we had to like it's like we well sorry everyone we were going to talk about three more games but instead of taylor swift <laughs> that's just, we had to swift it and now we've got bad blood yeah <laughs> Um, wait, Trey, so what else have you played? Okay, so right, it's been three weeks, so there's a lot of stuff to catch up on here. I will just quickly mention Oak, because I don't think either of you oh, no, played. You, well, no, that, we were, oh, we were playing things. Audubon, and you guys were playing Oak, and it sounded like you guys were having a great time. Yeah. Um, I was. Way, I, I'm, so, and I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was so amused at that game night where where Paul, Dimitri, and I were like, um, so I'm going to uh, upgrade the highway to Mannheim, and I'm going to deliver some appliances to Vienna and then you guys were like well I haven't gotten a blueberry yet with my role yet the, the high druid blah 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 <laughs> have you used your high druid power I like the combination the table talk the, the cross pollination of the table talk was epic <laughs> right because right we're busy recruiting creatures building monoliths upgrading our druids into arch druids and meantime we need like i really need some ginger root blueberries acorns and mushrooms in order to make the potion that's going to make my entire game sing sing. this is is the game uh that matt had just received from a crowd fund of of some kind game brewer i believe oh game brewer yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and he said trey i think i know you you're really gonna like this game 
Uh, and he was he was right. Like, this is my kind of game. It's a worker placement game, and it's in the world of druids. Mm. And it's a very it's a very pretty <laughs> game. Much like a Taylor Swift concert. <laughs> we all have our kink. And apparently, you know, like trees of life with druids that can be upgraded and like all the little figures, like there's these wooden druid figures, but you can like accessorize them. Oh, where like, oh, did you get the helmet with the horns or did you get the cape? And then there's even like one gets a man purse. What kind Whoa. of give different <laughs> give different? Wait, is this powers. part of the gameplay or just like just no? Fun? It's totally part of the game. This is how you upgrade your druid. Is they accessorize, oh, and suddenly fun. they get new powers based upon what like, you know what accessory you chose for them. It's like Chimera Station. You ever play that game? I do remember that game. I did not love. I did not love it either. That that but game. Either way, what I was going to say though? Did they really, have blueberries? No, no blueberries. <laughs> what I did want to say just. Because you haven't played it, I think you're gonna play it. I'm gonna make sure people uh, play it. Um, it's definitely my thing. Like, I'm not sure it's great, but it definitely was like made for me. It's worker placement, and it also feels like it's in the spirit of Uwe Rosenberg, mm. where it's kind of like it's answering some of the same questions that his games present. Like, um, you both you end up with a tableau, the yeah. same way you kind of do in Agricola, where you have a village at the end, and it's a question of like. What creatures have you recruited to your village? Have you expanded your village? Did you upgrade your druids? Did you build houses or monoliths or, or you know, you have certain artifacts that you played and upgraded during the course? So, the, so the end, we have very different looking villages, but it's also worker placement. And then there was that central tension where, like, the critics of Agricola say, ah, it's all about just family growth. You got to do family growth. <laughs> That's a that that great impression of me. Harvey, oh my god, is that, that Harvey Firestein? Is that how I sound? Is that, do I sound like that? One strategy. I mean, it's family growth. Family growth is the it's all only about family thing growth. Um, which is not true. I think the, the top players show that you can you it's not all about family growth. It's not just a family growth contest. But in any case, like it seemed like Uwe Rosenberg heard that criticism and said, fine, I will do a version of this game that's that it's not just about family growth and did Caverna where he like eliminated the cards, you know, put in the tiles, but also like it's entirely possible to play Caverna and win with only your two starting dwarves that you mm. never expand your family the way you do in a Griclo because like your dwarves can level up. And I think this is kind of in the same vein where we saw a bunch of like first time plays were exploring the space as Paul mm-hmm. normally does. And we saw different ones where people were really like trying to like, I'm going from three druids and on my second turn, I've got seven, uh, you know, so I've got more actions that I can, that I can take. And then at the same time, like I never expanded my druids at all and ended up winning the game. So there's a, there's kind of like a nice tension there where like, there's nothing essential about having to, which is normal, like, that's normal in a worker placement game of like getting that extra action is such yeah. a big deal. And this is kind of like trying to balance that. And like, you really allow you to go, in different directions. I always, I've always really enjoyed worker placement games where there's an emphasis on that the the piece of wood that you're putting down on the spot actually matters, like that you can upgrade or they have special powers. Like I like that in Railroad Revolution where the color of the meeple you used had some sort of impact. I like that in in uh, in actually like the Tusk and Tuscany part of Viticulture. There's there's a module where there's certain meeples that have specific powers like it's the cook or it's the mafioso and they have little things they can do like i like that when it's not just like you're just putting down a piece of wood to reserve a spot like there's actually some meaning about what they are and and, that's definitely the case here where there's there's both some sequencing and like not all of your druids are created equal 
Yeah. Like you're going to have the right, the right worker to do the right thing. Yeah. It's each turns. Um, you got, I really felt like I was, you guys had a lot of fun table talk and there's a lot of sort of seemed like there was laughter. It's like, I don't think back and you guys were ha 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 ha. But I just remember thinking. Druiding like is a, serious business. You can it's tell a, when you're at. The, 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 the focus. Yes, the, the focus. Yes. And, but you know, when you're at a, at a game night and you can hear the other table, you can tell if the banter around the table is coming from people having a fun time at the game versus frustration or anger or something like that. And, and, I didn't know what you guys were talking about half the time. There's a lot of talk about blueberries and ginger roots and druids, but the vibe sounded incredibly fun. I can only speak for myself. I have to also recognize, like, I won the game. I tend to like games better when I win them. You know, <gasps> you try to separate that out, but I don't think you really yeah. can. And I also, I did hear through the grapevine that Jordan thought it was just okay. Oh, really? That's right. It went from Jordan to Jennifer to me that it was just okay. So, like, we actually got to get Jordan, we got to give Jordan permission to <laughs> speak his truth. To speak his truth. Right, because I think oak. he was trying to not, you know, yuck our yum because I was, I was, I was enjoying it. Mm. And I'm not sure that Oak's going to be. That's right, because Jordan was playing with you guys. Yeah, Jordan yeah. was playing. Uh, friend David Gillison was playing uh -huh. as, as well as as Matt. And so like, I'm not sure this is going to be a classic rather like I can hang a star on this one and say like, this one is kind of like made for Trey. Yeah. So I'm really more likely to inflate it because it's it has Trey, all Trey. of the things that it's Trey Trey. You know? Yeah. It's Trey Trey. <laughs> um, that was a Ben joke. Ben. That was, that was me. You yeah. get credit just, for that yeah, horrible Trey, joke. Trey. Okay. Right. Trey Trey. Uh, okay. Well, I'm excited to try it out. I'm excited to try out a Trey Trey game. Yeah. Try tr a Trey Trey tryout. So uh, one game that I was I was very well, actually I won't say I was excited to play I was intrigued by but I was not at that level of excitement that it seems like the rest of the board game community was at was Revive Matt got his copy huh? and um, Matt has Matt's Tom, been Tom like, played it we played it a game night I didn't play it, but it was the other game at okay. Tom's game night last night. I was yeah. not yeah I was not that game night so I had to miss out but um yeah you you did mention before we started recording that that was on the table so. Um, I had tried to watch a few um, like how-to videos or playthroughs, yeah. and I don't know. I, I just kept on falling asleep doing the through the videos, which I think was more about me and like my workload the past few weeks. So I just was like, okay, I know people are excited about this. Matt really wants to play it. We're gonna do a. We did like a two-player game on Thursday, Thursday afternoon. We both had some time. He taught it to me. We played it. I had a great time playing it. I thought it was super <laughs> did fun. Did Matt have a great time playing it? He had a great time. Oh, okay. He did. I think. I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he's amped for it. I oh, really... I, I talked to him. He said he, he really enjoyed it. I really... I was... It, you know what it was? It was one of those games. I'm not going to get all into it because I, I feel like we probably will have some deep dives of it. It was one of those games where I felt like everything I was doing was fun. Every action mm -hmm. I was taking was fun. I, so was, you played two-player? We played two player. Was it long? Because that was no, the criticism. It short. I, Jennifer said, like, did not want to play it on Friday night because she has played it, and I think she liked it, but she said she did not want to play it for four. Because three be too was long. too long. And we finished Federation, and they still had like another thirty. About thirty, yes. Yeah. At four, uh, revive. And, I, and I, I'm actually really excited to hear about Federation, so I'm going to bring that up after this. But um, I, I can see that it could be an AP nightmare revive. Because it's it's a combo game. It's one of the things you do this and you can do that and then do that and back and forth. Um, we played it. It was it felt very fast to me. I don't think it was as fast as it felt, but maybe the fact that it felt fast is an indication of how fun it was. Um, 
Uh, well, I don't even know what, what's the premise. So here's here's the premise. It's basically in the future, many years after man has destroyed in a world in a world where humans have destroyed the earth. Humans have been living under the in the earth. Morlocks, Morlocks, and like have like <laughs> genetically mutated into different. It's been that long that we've mutated, and now there's like a central. Honestly, you look at it. There's no better way. There's no easier way to say this. There's no easy way. I'm just gonna say it. There's a little butthole in the middle of the board, and we are crawling out of the butthole. Uh, back onto Earth, <laughs> as one does. As one does. And this is the oh, good pitch. The sphincter is opening up, the and we sphincter. are emerging from the Earth, <laughs> and we are reviving. The, we are the, the, we this, are the human feces. This, this is the, the positive pitch, everyone. This is where we're. No, it's, it's basically there's like a little cave, uh-huh. and we're all emerging out of out of out of the Earth. But of course, man, I'm calling sphincter. it. Of course, we kept on saying like the butthole, because that's the maturity of this podcast, you know. <laughs> And me. Yep. That's me, yep. basically. Yes. Um, anyway, so basically the board is just like covered with glaciers, mm-hmm. glacier tiles. And your faction moves out, of, starts building things, little homes, cities, exploring. As you explore, you turn over these tiles. Um, but you also have this like monster player board that looks like a maze. And you can send three pegs up. It's basically like three elaborate tracks. But the tracks are designed in such a cool way that they're kind of interconnected. Like if you go up this far on the gray track and this far on the green track, you can. And I know this is an audio medium, so I just realized I was doing a visual demonstration with my fingers. So if you go like seven notches up the gray track and maybe three notches up the green track, you can unlock a power. But then if you go up a few more notches on the green track, you can unlock something else. And then if you go up the yellow track, you get something else. They're intertwined in a way that's very fun. Lots of oh, I'm going to do this action, which allows me to do that thing on the board. It lets me flip over that tile, which gives me this track movement. I move up the track here. I get this power. I use my thing here. And so those turns could probably spiral out of control. I had some crazy combo turns. Matt had some crazy combo turns. And for better or worse, it was kind of a head-down game. And so I'm intrigued to hear what Tom has to say about that because I was thinking to myself, like, I was having so much fun. But would someone like Tom, who really likes interactivity, would he say... Some good stuff in here, but it's multiplayer solitaire. Don't know. I'm intrigued to hear from him. But I felt like every single thing I did was just really fun. So I liked it a lot. I so think we have a lot of games to play again or to well, expand the, the circle. This is the time of year. You know, yeah. it's, you know all these SM we're games that come out. Yep. We're, and, and we're very fortunate that we've already gotten to play a bunch of these SM games already. You know, So um, uh, Revive, I'm very excited to play again. I'm very excited to play with you guys and everyone else. In, in our group so uh it's one to keep an eye on lots of i i just you know sometimes a game is just fun you know like it's just <laughs> a fun you pump. know it's it this was like a full-on fun pump you know you're just when everything you're do everything you're doing feels great. it doesn't sound fun on its surface i'm gonna trust you on this band i agree i wasn't intrigued crawling when- out of a sphincter and going up some tracks does not sound I agree. I did fun. A, well, I did you, you, your, your Saturday nights are very different than mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think uh, I know. I, I I apologize. I've have given a terrible uh, terrible pitch for this game, um, but I I also don't think I don't know. I feel like this game does not. Maybe it doesn't pitch itself well because when I looked at when I, again when I watched the videos, I wasn't really drawn. We're into rushing it. also. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're rushing at this point too, but. I think it's worth playing. I should mention the designer. Well, first, let's also mention Oak's designer is Wim or maybe Vim uh, Goosens. And then Revive's designer. Oh, Revive actually comes from the designers um, who've done a lot of things like Santa Maria and The Magnificent. Um, it's like several people. Helge Meissner. 
Elif Svensson, Anna Wormland, Christian Amundsen Ostby. Uh, I hope I got everyone's names right, but they do a lot of games and they I think they did some really fun work on this one. So excited to play more of it, explore it more. Should I play Audubon first or should I play Revive? I don't know. I mean, Ooh, they're different. I, Ooh, I okay. That's interesting. I feel like... For me, for Trey. What's Audubon. more, uh, what's more Trey? Audubon. I think Audubon. Audubon. No druids in, uh, in what do you call it, in uh, Revive, but, you know... I think you'll have fun with I don't know. Post, I'm pretty po- post-apocalyptic. I'm into that stuff. I think you'll have fun with both Road Warrior, them. favorite movie. Sure, sure. So. But maybe you might bump on the interactive issue. But I'll, I guess Road Warrior works for Audubon, too. Yeah, see? Yeah. You're, okay. Are you a post-apocalypse guy or are you a car guy? Who knows? Yes, and. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, so now you mentioned Federation. Can you please So we played Federation. Federation. On I'm, I've been ever since we did the podcast with Tom a few weeks ago and he mentioned it. I've been really interested in this game and I mm. almost bought it and then I didn't. And Elder said he really played it and loved it. Paul, do you want to do the summary on on this? Sure, or? sure. I, I, I have. I think I have a really streamlined version of what the game is. Okay. So uh, imagine a game where uh, you are like part of like the Galactic Congress, like you know, like say a federation of a federation. Yeah, like you're like oh. th- think of it. I, I kind of envision like a, it's not a Star Trek game. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not could have been. Could have been. You mm-hmm. thought it was. Uh, uh, like I, I imagine like. You know uh, what you call it, uh, Phantom Menace, where you see, uh, where you see all the galactic people yeah, like voting, galactic senate, sure. and, and, and mm. that's probably it, it, Twilight Imperium, maybe. I, I have no context. Yeah, but no map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And so, so basically, you're you have uh, four tokens, and you're going to vote. Basically, you, these are votes. You're going to vote on some kind of something. It doesn't matter because uh, and. Uh, at the, at the end of the round, there's going to be some scoring that can be done depending on whether you control the you know the the rows or columns or the sections. You know you'll get some kind of uh, uh, points associated to uh, your machine that you've built, and each spot that you pick uh, will help you build your point machine somehow. So that it's at its core, that's what it is. Like you know, you place a, a vote. You uh, you get something. It's a worker placement. Yeah, like exactly. Because you, you, you're gonna where you place. You have four like action tokens. Mm-hmm. You place one on your round on your turn. The place where you place it is the action you're going to take. And the kind of the cool thing about each token is that when you place your worker, you're either placing it vote side up, which will give mm-hmm. you a chance to score some points. Or, you know, force the Congress in a certain direction mm-hmm. of, again, like, what's going to score points this round. Or you turn it the other way and maybe get resources or adv- and advance some other yeah, track. Like, but that's a meaningful yeah, distinction like, of, like, like wh- how, of how you place your work. Yeah, like, there, there's basically, like, some missions that give you an extra uh, part of your turn. or it, 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 You know, but ultimately, it goes, you're going to put, place a token, and it's going to give you points or and help you build your, your point engine. Uh, and that's as dry as I can make it. Okay. And, and, and this is interesting too, because like we had, uh, we had Dimitri have a really hard time with the game because, because okay. th- we were, uh, we were taught in this very dry way without any narrative. What uh, does that mean? Well, like, like, like you can teach. <laughs> You're not going to get away with that one. You know, it means like. You- At some point actually in the teach. I think Dimitri and I said, wait, stop, because Jennifer was teaching the game, and uh-huh. she was just explaining what every action space were. was. And I said, wait, stop. I like, I need the narrative. I need to understand, like, what are we actually doing in this game? I can see that there's kind of a mm-hmm. Senate thing mm-hmm. here, but just, like, I need to know what the narrative is so that I can put all this together. And, and Jennifer made an argument that's like, it's a Euro. What do you want? Like, it doesn't matter. Um, 
it didn't just us like insisting that it's not a point salad. It's totally a point salad game. Yeah. Type of type of thing. But we did need to, like it, it was a little bit hard to figure out like it, what it, are we it, actually doing. It, it's interesting you say that. It's interesting because like you know, uh, like the the week before when uh, Elder and, and Jennifer had played uh, at her place, she had she had DM'd me and said, "Hey, I'm playing Federation. There's not room for you here." <laughs> but I wish you were here, uh, so to see if you could break the game. And, oh, right, right, right. She uh, suspected that you could. You uh, could break. And I go like, "Well, I couldn't come anyway, but thanks for the <laughs> thanks not for the invite, not, the not invitation." <laughs> and so I gave her a little crap about that, uh, like you know, uh, on Friday. But like, uh, in her explanation, like, like basically, I I was running a pint short, so like mm-hmm. like a pint of blood, of blood. Short, of blood short, and so. Uh, I tried to watch uh, uh, a video, a Rado video, and Planer, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I couldn't get past five minutes. I was going, like, "Oh, I, I know she's going to want to play this game. I can't really grok this in five. You know, I, I couldn't. I didn't have the attention span for it. It, it was like mm-hmm. an hour run through. Yeah, and I, I watched that too. Yeah, and, I know what you're saying. Well, I was, actually, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and, and so I was going, "Okay, maybe this is going to be a lot more complex, complex than I thought." And then she came through and she's taught it, and I go like, "Oh, I totally get." It. Like it just, just, she's just teaching the mechanics of it, and uh, without the narrative, like without, I, I still don't know. Are we voting on policy or? or yeah. And and I was like, oh, I get it. And and Trey and Dimitri had a much harder time, you know. Uh, like like yeah. uh, that is accurate. Yeah, it, I, it can be hard. I mean, I think that like for me personally, the way I like to teach a game is, um, I like to sort of go. I, I read actually about this on bgg someone mm-hmm. said that someone said this is how i like to teach a game i don't know where i read it it was years ago but i feel like it's a good thing just to start you start you start big mm-hmm. you say this is what the game is about mm-hmm. this is like how many rounds it lasts and right here's how you win here's how it ends here's like this here's the general premise you give like the log line mm-hmm. oh yeah. we're in a galactic federation this is what you and then you talk about the flow of the round and then you just sort of dial in you sort of layer in get closer and closer and then you sort of end with the specific this is what mm-hmm. the actions these are what the action spaces do mm-hmm. these are what these bonuses do whatever and i found that when for me when i have received a teach where it starts usually the action spaces because that happens quite a bit when sometimes people teach that way what happens is you get the granular stuff in first and not the not the big conceptual stuff mm-hmm. in first and then you're i don't know somehow it like it's 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 Without like, that context, you're going to lose those details. Yeah, yeah. and like, yes. I think that's what happened. Like, a lot of times, you, and then you get that note later on. It's like I know I told you this. So I was like, I don't doubt that you told me this, but I did not have the proper like framing narrative framing yeah. in order to contextualize that right. rule so that it made sense. And if I didn't understand it in the first place, yes, I'm going to forget it. Type yeah. of thing. So like there is like I think we, there is a a way to at least the way I approach games, and I think a lot of people approach games. Like I need that that narrative element and that was kind of lacking. And I think even if it were here in Federation, I'm not sure this game does a great job of kind of like telling a meaningful story yeah, like, in uh, terms uh, of what, I, we, I, what you do. I, I don't know. Like, you know, I, uh, I haven't read the book, but like uh, it, it, for me, like it made sense. You're, you're, it's like engineer, you're, you're, you're building, mm-hmm. you're building your engine. You're it's not really an engine, but like you're bringing how you're going to get your points scored. Uh, it, I I had a great time. I, I once again I won. Oh, so, so, yeah, Paul crushed it. And, and so it's over about halfway did you, through. And did you break it? I, I did not have to. I did not have to. It was pre-broken. Uh, no, no, because like oh. I, I, no, you won it on the proper terms of the game, which yeah, is that you were it. winning all of the. Like there is some good interactivity in this game, mm-hmm. and you were winning 
the main sphere of conflict, exactly. which were these like central votes in the Senate. I was constantly thinking I was going to win a major vote that was going to award a number of points mm. to me. And then Paul kept on like rescuing it and pushing it towards a category where I had no points whatsoever. Mm. And so like where the battle is supposed to be fought, mm-hmm. you won it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it, and what was really fun for me, like this was, it had a really good game, not, mm-hmm. not just to play, but just watching everyone melt down. Yeah, because because Dimitri was having a hard time with like like he like some he would do something that be an edge case, and then it, it goes like Jeffrey, you can't do that, or Trey would go, you can't do that, or or I would go, you can't do that. It goes, yeah, that's why I hate this game. <laughs> Dimitri is the no- as much as you say Trey that you have this the reputation of being the 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 curmudgeon or whatever the one who has the most meltdowns is Dimitri I'm gonna I'm, that's my hot take the, 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 they're smaller meltdowns but but, but, like, but they the, ha- they but, happen more frequently it, like it, it was it it reminded me of Rococo. Oh my god, he had a big meltdown. In the second round, he goes, fuck this game! He, goes, <laughs> he picked up the wrong fabric. And we're like, Dimitri, you know that's not Kareem. He's like, that's because I fucking hate this game! <laughs> yeah, yes, that's where his headspace was yeah. on this one. And like, even though I was struggling with the game, yeah. like, we got to a certain point where it's like, Dimitri, even I know this rule at this Come on, like, you've explained this one to For the non-gamer, the non-gamer gets very, you know, he has meltdowns. But it was because he had a lack of connection. Exactly. That's the right. lack it's of not connection without... meant that like he's just he's he's doing that little bit of not paying attention as much, so certain things are bouncing mm. off of him, and he's not yes. absorbing the lessons, and so and then that become that feeds on itself, right? Like it's that's what he really yeah. spins off. It's like he's not engaging with the game, so he's not really understanding what's going on. So he's trying to make a move, and then we say like Dimitri, no, I'm sorry, that's not the way it works, and then he wants to. Well, I, and I totally, I felt that way with yeah. games before too, where, I mean, hello, Western empires, you know, like, <laughs> you know, when you're like, you're playing a game that you're like, oh, so far you're like, eh, it's, a, it's all right so far. And then it's like, oh, although I, I connected more of the rules there, but like, I, I've had those things where you're mm-hmm. just like, you're not connecting with the game. So you're just trying to make something happen. And then you're just told, nope. And you're like, you know what? I don't need to be here. I don't need I don't to be here. Need to- <laughs> I could go to a Taylor Swift concert right now instead. <laughs> or a pink one. Or a pink. That's, that's pink. right. I could go. Everyone loves pink. Everyone <laughs> loves... You know my. You know what I love about Great Western Trail, by the way? I love when the game just twirls around in a piece of silk on a ceiling. That is just like... That's what it makes it... It really is the pink of board games. Yeah, absolutely. But This game, um, to me, I think this is kind of a Feld clone. And, okay, I, and, I, and I mean that in a bad way. Okay. Oh. In that, like, there's the, like, a, a lot of Feld games, like um, Trajan, mm-hmm. for example, is probably, like, one of my least favorite Feld games. But it has, like, these different areas of the board. Mini where, games. Where different, not, yeah, kind yeah. of, but just, mm-hmm. like, this area is going to work differently than this area. It's going to work mm-hmm. differently. There's still kind of point salady, but, like, you know, you're, like, wh- where am I going to do my different mm-hmm. different things? Um, and so it felt like a Feld game, felt like a point salad it felt completely like meaningless. Like this, mm. this is a fine game. <laughs> this is a fine game. There's a lot of races. You're constantly like racing to be faster than mm-hmm. another person down a certain track mm-hmm. or a certain thing. There's a lot of like looking back on it. Like there's some good interactivity here. Mm-hmm. Like I should probably like this game. And I really didn't. I really kind <laughs> of hated this game. And I like, I'm not even sure I'm willing to give it. A second wow. So, like, I think this is, like, this is my anti-oak. I know. It's my anti-oak. I think these I'm are probably, like, like, similar quality games. Uh-huh. But oak 
It's Trey Trey, and this is Natre. Natre. I'm, I'm I, like, is this? I'm trying to think of like pop stars. Like, is the this, like, is this like the is this like the Rita Ora of uh, of games? I can't tell. Uh, it, it, it's funny. It, it, it's funny because like you know, <laughs> what's the example of the person was, that no one it, truly hates, but no one quite likes very is much? It either? Vitamin C, or I don't know. I can't. I have to think. Uh, podcast. If you have is it, it, imagine. Uh, is it the Imagine Dragons? Oh wow! Whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me. It's my Billy Joel, where I like. Oh, hot take. Well, that implies, I don't. I don't hate Billy Joel, but I have no affection whatsoever. But that implies that this game will be beloved by many people. Sure. And by the way, the game is designed by Dimitri Perrier and Matthew Ver- Matthew uh, Verdier. Um, I. Did it hit any Demacher kind of vibes? No, 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 no. Like, like Demacher is like this is. I have some affection for Demacher. Like mm. this is very Demacher's modeling a real thing. Yeah, and mm. this is too. <laughs> no, it's not. No. It's really not. But, Let's be clear. But no. but the idea, you know, like this is a very surface game. I don't I don't know if there is a lot of like, and I'll I'll keep on saying this like secondary tertiary ancillary reactions from your choices like basically you you vote you put your your pieces down there is a uh there's a what you call it there's a a scoring and then your votes come back and you do it again there's like no real memory that causes uh a cascade of anything interesting uh the only thing that changes like that has any persistence is like where you are in your various tracks yeah games And, and and so that's uh but but you know like jennifer had asked me, like, you know, like, uh, we're talking about, like, failure points, you know, and, and like, you know, are there places where this game, you know, you can just press hard enough uh, and there'll be failures, you know? Uh, she and Bruce came up with the idea of, like, maybe the trading of the diamond was too powerful, like, you know, like, you could get 29 points for that, you know? But what we found is that, like, you know, it reveals moral failings. Oh, great. Oh, <laughs> I love a game that can do that. Because at the very end, like, uh, you know, Jennifer goes, okay, I'm done. I have to go to the bathroom. And then, like, as things progress, as we're score- doing the final score, like, Trey goes, hey, where's this piece? It's not in here? Well, I'm going to go and get it. <laughs> a piece? Wait, what? So this is the example of my most blatant overt <laughs> cheating ever. I overtly cheated. <laughs> in the game out of pure frustration. <laughs> and part of it is that this is one this game thinks that it's Gaia Project. Where like you know how in Gaia Project there's like all the different tiles that score in certain ways yeah, and yeah. blah blah blah. And like the first time you play Gaia Project you're not getting half of what's going on. But like and you get better, you're getting to the top of the tech trees and you're engaging with all these scores. Like this is one of those games where like they have an entire multiple pages of the rule book are devoted to like these what texts. this individual tile actually means. And you're you're paging through looking for these various things and like one aspect out of six of different things that you have to look up in the game are these kind of like end scoring tiles that you can get when you get to the top of your track. prestige track. Yeah. And one of the things I had missed very reasonably in the setup, as Jennifer's just saying, Paul, can you stick all the gray tiles over there? Kind of thing. Perfect that's impression. A horrible, that's a horrible Perfect impression. Perfect impression. Yeah, that impression. Was telling <laughs> she, was right there. She's basically just putting items onto the table mm-hmm. and we're stacking them up. And like what's being lost in, could you put these gray tokens over there is these, there were 10 of these tokens and we are placing out five because you place out one more than the number of players. And so as you get near the end, you're like, what are these gray tokens? Because I know I can tell I'm going to score a gray token. Right. So I'm looking in the map 
I mean, in the in the book, saying like, "Oh, okay, here's the one that I want. That's the one that Dimitri stole from yep, me." Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. And then Your so backup. like, oh, what's the second one? Oh, well, this one's about you know two thirds as good as the other one. I'll do that one. So then I go do finally trigger the thing at the end. I go to take it out of the stack of gray tokens. And it's not there. So, like, the idea that not every single oh, one of these tokens was know. in the game. And, in fact, like, this is one of the variable setup things. But, like, it's just a stack of great tokens. And I think at some point you're supposed to go and look and say, oh, Let's these see. are the five available. tokens we're playing with out of the nine that are Which available. is reasonable. Which is reasonable. But if you don't know it. If you don't know that not all the... I didn't. I didn't there. know it at all, and I was kind of like, "Listen, I've been building towards this this stupid gray token for the last hour." That's like, yeah, I know that. It's like, I no, I'm I'm feeling. doing this. I'm, I'm doing <laughs> it's like, and I sw- and I swapped it in, and I made it clear everyone's like, "I'm doing this." Blah blah blah. Learning game. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was a re- it was a total lack of character oh, it's on like my part. What's like when I ended like one stop, sh- one one spot short of safety in the hunger and i was like you know what (laughs) you know what oh that's true and like if you play um the only reason why i didn't get to go further is because jake like put his piece on mine for like one spot and i had to go back it was like it was just like i was like you know what no it's well sometimes if you're having like a like i knew that was part of the game like you have to get in there of course and like you don't get in there it's your own damn fault but you know sometimes when you're like when you're when you're kind of like eh met about a game and then something like that happens it's like no game you're supposed to be winning me over you're out of line <laughs> you're out of line <laughs> you're supposed to be winning me over you're not supposed to be punishing me right now do you want to be played again <laughs> that's how I felt with that it that felt happened. like Federation had a number of those kind of like dumb little restrictions where you're like actually you can't because <laughs> like this <laughs> you know like there were about five of them to, to counter Sorry. that like you know. I had none of the, you know, I had a different experience. Like, you know, I, I was everything was in pocket for me in the game. I was like, oh, well, here's something to do. And, you know, so uh, I totally understand Trey and Dimitri's perspective. Like, it, I'm just not trying to, don't shy away from this game because of that. Like, it, no, no, I yeah, still, that's right. I'm I still very there, there will, there will be people whose opinions I respect who will really like this game. I'm it, really interested in, in, in trying. I think I love it's like all very colorful and art. You know, well, well really here, appreciate. okay, let's talk about that. The color. Oh, okay. I think that one, one final note. I think this game's really ugly. <gasps> uh, <laughs> it's one thing to talk about someone's actions. It's another to make fun of the way they look. That's right. <laughs> well, I think leading into like maybe our final part of the discussion here is like, this is kind of like, this is a dumb narrative. Like we're seeing a lot of games that are like, just let's just put it in space, you know, and avoid any, <laughs> wow. you know, cultural wow. connection. To, and like, we're not modeling anything mm-hmm. and real, like it's just Trismegistus in space type of thing. But like Dimitri, I think has often made this note about particularly space games. Uh-huh. Like this feels like yet another ugly space game where like there's tons of color. Mm-hmm. Like why are all these space games using Crayola colors? And like, I guess you can see like, that Skymines like, didn't, and then they paid the price. Yeah, like Skymines, look at Skymines, look at terrible. Like, I think it's, it's looks... not as bad as Skymines. It's not as bad. As okay, Skymines. I, but, I I would prefer Crayola like like crazy space yeah, as at least it's dra- clear here but there's no space. there's no love i'm i'm not feeling any love in the art of of this game wow wow like the like a game that can evoke such emotion i know i like it like you, you just gotta try right everyone <laughs> I, I i really i really want i mean elder loves it yeah no elder loves it he, i think he has uh you know like and, and i will say this very few resources and he loves it wow uh i don't know if that's look you got four different types of crystals Check marks, spaceships, and love. 
Um, you have all the upgrade tokens on your fair, workers. fair, fair, fair. I, 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 mean, I guess it's enough business for him. To, uh, it's. I mean, it's. It is interesting when you talk about it. Um, how like some of the things that you mentioned that like oh it's point salady all these different sort of like these areas like sort of, like mini games sort of quasi mini game things tracks and then it's tracks, all tracks it's all and tracks. it was interesting last week uh, Tom was saying that he didn't like all the Scooby snacks in Space Station Phoenix mm-hmm. and it's funny how these like these mechanisms get brought up uh, like they're assumed negatives and I actually am like but what what is wrong with like a Scooby snack or a point salad or that there are different things to do on, on the, the minigame thing is often brought up mm-hmm. a lot of people will be like oh I didn't like Ugong because it felt like minigames or Trajan because it felt like minigames and I do wonder like what is wrong with that nothing if it is actually modeling something mm. and it isn't just different systems that I don't know. Like, I, I think this is kind of like where I wanted to sure. steer our, let's, steer let's, our conversation like, is, is, is that like, I guess, and maybe it's cause I'm an older gamer who started playing, you know, both role-playing games and board games in the seventies. I, I, I am from more of a tradition where like, I want my games to model something that is real. So when we move into kind of like, like I'm not against fantasy. Obviously, I like fantasy. I just like liked my druids game here. I'm a yeah, hypocrite. You are, yeah. Druids. But wait, that's it's not real. Telling a story. <laughs> it's telling a story that I can grok and understand. And yeah. like, I think we're seeing a lot more games that we've described as broke. Like before, you even get to theme and narrative, you can have systems that themselves are broke. Where it's like I'm turning my, you know, my yellow you know, discs into, you know, purple stars. And I'm, you know, like Trismegistus is like the classic thing that we've, that I've Mm -hmm. uh, denigrated. Weather machine. Haven't played it yet, but. Oh, oh, wait, wait, very importantly. Okay. I have to stop you right now because it's time for me to make a very public apology to your face and to the audience. To my face. Oh, I'm uh, no, not to you, Paul. Listen to this. Relax, Paul. It's because I said that you were wondering why was he called Dr. Latif in Weather Machine. <gasps> and then you were like, Ben, I never said that. And I was like, you certainly did. And then I went back, as you did too, and you never said that. And I just, <laughs> I grafted that reality onto you. And Trey never questioned why he was called Dr. Latif, aka Vital, backwards. And so I apologize for gaslighting you and the audience and the universe for that so that's I not Trey. gaslighting that's and right. i that's also just... felt like your critique was spiritually true okay well it, it wasn't you're right actually it's not gaslighting. Well, well, it was just uh, misinforming so you were right before the wrong reasons <laughs> yes so i just want to clarify trey always knew what latif meant yes and ben was wrong and i appreciate the apology it's also unnecessary but you know what though because sometimes it's okay to admit that you're wrong you know about federation about <laughs> <laughs> anyway so we're talking about baroque games and narratives that's right that so are disconnected. the distinction i want to make is both between like i feel like we're seeing a lot of games right now that feel to me and again maybe it's i'm getting older like overly complex and or, or like the complexity is not warranted mm. and like maybe jennifer's like attitude of like theme narrative it doesn't matter we're just here for the systems anyway I guess I'm kind of saying, no, I'm not. I want these things to have meaning. And also, maybe I want to kind of like point towards like, we've had discussions before about like, what is it that we're actually enjoying? When we enjoy a board game, there's a lot of different kinds of fun 
that come out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are a lot of times there's pleasure just in learning a new system. Yeah. And I think that this is especially true, like that realm of fun may be especially appealing to people who are newer to the hobby. Like I feel like Candace and Matt and maybe even you a little bit, like as you were getting into the hobby, suddenly like you were exposed to this whole new world. And so like just being exposed to new games and trying new systems, there's a tremendous amount of pleasure in that. And maybe like I am like older and cranky where it's not enough for me just to try something new and and learn new systems. I'm always like looking past that and kind of saying like, okay, but let's look at replayability. What's it actually modeling? Is there a real world? Is there anything I can actually learn from this game that I can apply to the real world? Mm. Um, because I think that's what games do pretty well a lot of times, right? Is that we're, we're practicing things in games in a safe space with no consequences that should have some application in the real world in our you know dealings with other people or how we understand economic systems like there are space congresses well i mean this is actually a backdoor compliment for avalon (laughs) that is absolutely true (laughs) well i mean uh i mean that is i mean that is avalon should give you a very healthy respect well if you want to be the cynic you can say Mm -hmm. avalon teaches you how to lie Mm -hmm. but i would think like more an actual more value is that if you play avalon it should give you a really healthy respect for actually your own limitations to mm. read other people. Sure. Like the more we play that game, like the less like I can invest in my own like reads of other people. Like mm-hmm. Tom's always claiming he has these great reads mm-hmm. of people. You and I know his reads are <laughs> not anything particularly special. Throw some haymakers here, everyone. Game, <laughs> wow, wow. The less wow. I'm willing to invest of, like, I just got a bad feeling about Paul. Like, that's actually terrible information. And I should really rank, rank it low in, in how I make decisions yeah. so i don't know i feel like avalon actually teaches a lot of oh real it does world, no, no, this real is, world skills uh, it should be taught uh, to kindergartners i think we all agree uh, eventually yeah <laughs> i mean um god i mean there's 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 a lot there's a lot that that you've just that yeah you just vomited it out a lot you just there, vomit. yeah. I, I don't know i'm just gonna take one sliver of oh, the vomit pie i'll take one <laughs> of the, i'll take my one little teaspoon of vomit um <laughs> <laughs> But um, I mean, I I think the the role of theme and narrative and mechanics is it's like one of the classic tensions in board gaming. You know what matters more, yada yada yada. And I used to sort of I used to be someone that would say, oh, I really am only in it like for the mechanics and everything else is gravy. Like, if you have some good theme, it makes it all the better. But right. like really, at the end of the day, just give me good mechanics. And I've actually discovered that I that theme matters more to me mm-hmm. than I thought. And like. You know, when when I did have um, a relatively negative experience with Weather Machine, that was a moment where there was lots of mechanics going on, sort of like relatively interesting, but not like amazingly interesting mechanics. But it, but things happening, but there there was no theme there that was capturing my imagination to draw me into it. That's right. And there was no theme that was helping me understand and synthesize those mechanics and sequence them because theme. Theme can both help you uh, like internalize rules, but theme can also bring you into the game. And theme can be the sort of thing that just allows you to not just, you know, interact with mechanics, but actually have a lot of fun with fellow game players, like with your Japan game, like let's go to Japan or Ready Set Bet. And I think that's that's very to me that's a very valuable part of it. And I think that I don't know if this is really what you're talking about or not. 
I can't tell. Am I actually addressing any of the stuff that you brought up or am I just talking? No, absolutely. I mean, some of it is just appeal. I think we were talking earlier about like the need for narrative in order to actually like fully understand the game. Yeah. Like if, if there's a big disconnect between the mechanisms and the narrative around it, like that's going to be like, it's going to be harder to get up to speed in the game. It's gonna be harder to love the game. And I think like you're saying, like maybe the more you play, the more you need that marriage anyway. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I certainly feel. And and I think, by the way, I think it's really important to say that when you say narrative, people get really hung up on this. It does not mean that there has to be a story or there has to be IP. Like, this is the story of someone who went to do this thing. Like, I think about Barrage a lot. Barrage, to me, I'm actually not very invested in that theme. I think the theme barely makes sense of this weird alternate 1930s steampunky thing, Mm -hmm. whatever. It's basically just like... Yeah, like this, are, the steampunk aspect's a total miss for me. Like to me, like the like Barrage is one of my favorite games of all time. But the mechanics are so strong, it can actually that's an example of what we talked about earlier, where it can kind of like rise above theme. However, when we talk about narrative, narrative doesn't mean like there's a story with a beginning, middle, end. Narrative means there's some sort of thing that makes sense about it. So if you're just saying this is a game about capturing water. And harnessing it for energy. Mm-hmm. That is the narrative of that game. Yeah. And now we're energy producers that are capturing water in order to generate energy. Right. Because exactly. if it had not been water, let's say instead of dams and water, it was like, here um, you here comes a star yeah. and you have a net and you or have to use the net. And or the blueberries. Star, and you turn the star, the star, when you capture it with your net, turns into space dust, which increases your power in the... Um, the right, you're on, your, on your gamma track's gonna go up, right? and so like, there's a there's a narrative there, but it doesn't. Yeah, it's doesn't. It's, it's not relatable. Not, it's not relatable. Yeah, and so therefore, probably those rules are not gonna stick as mm-hmm. much. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I would say, uh, to push back a little, uh, you know, there's no theme to chess. That's warfare. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and go. No, go is goes kind of is like an area. Is that it's, it's a little bit combat too because it's about controlling space, mm-hmm. right? But, but, but yeah, but you're you're now mentioning your abstract, abstract strategy it, it, games, and this is and this is my point. The point is like, like, and I'm going to push it to ticket to ride. You know, like ticket to ride. You're collecting a bunch of cabooses or or, or, or just well, you're building rail. You're you're connecting uh-huh. different cities via rail lines. You're but, building rail lines to connect but, cities, but across but, them, but across to your the mechanisms, map. like you know, you're not really doing anything. All games simplify. Oh, I, I, you're I, modeling, I, and it's a question like, of how you, like, how reductive you are. I, I, well, I guess my point would be like you know, you. I think you need as much uh, theme or narrative or whatever as much as it allows you to grok, you know, the game. I, I, th- mm. I think there's there can be zero and there can be a lot, and somewhere in between, you have to kind of balance what your game requires in order to make it accessible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like you don't need to think of war like chess as a war game. You can just like, here are your moves. This is how I was taught. And, and, and then you're just, I'm just trying to beat you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do this abstract puzzle of trying to trap your, your king. You know, that's, you know, and with that amount of narrative, you could play chess for life. Right. right. Uh, at the same time, like, you know, I don't think that uh, something like, say, Forbidden Stars works very well without, like, you know, a lot of like your space narrative like you know like mm-hmm. you, it, it only makes sense that you go oh here's the void you can't you can't ah, right. i can't move past that like it needs that that texture in order to to sell it and and, and so some it may never sell it because of you know 
Right. Well, I mean, I mean, actually, I think so. Forbidden Stars has been for many years actually been in this terrible quagmire wherein uh, uh, Fantasy Flight has lost the rights to uh, the, has lost the rights to the IP, and and so the game is just like stuck in this horrific limbo and and has not had support. So I think the designer is trying to retheme it, whatever. <laughs> maybe like I think it might be pirates. I could be wrong. So like. But either way, it needs to have the, just the right mm-hmm. team to make well, it like, work. Like, like, like I, I use Dune as our example. The narrative IP for Dune that we play, I love. I love the Dune IP. I don't... Uh, it enriches it. Yeah. It, yeah. And we try to translate those mechanisms into like... Rex. To, into Rex. And it completely failed for our group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like there's no... We had yeah. no... It mattered, right? It, 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 it totally... It, yeah. So there are definitely games that are going to require that, you know, mm-hmm. that amount uh, I think, like the more complex they are, actually, the more you need that unifying it, it, narrative to help you navigate it, your way through and, these systems. And the narrative need not be like you know complicated. Like you know, like for example, I, I I hate to use this because it just elevates Tom's favorite game. But we go Demoker. Like Demoker, it's just parliamentary. You know, it's a model, but it's yeah. based off of something very real. Exactly, yeah. and German and, parliamentarian relations. And, and each each thing that you do is something that you go like, oh, I can see... There's a real-world analog. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Ready, set, bet. What we talked about earlier. 100%. It's uh, like the reason why it works so well is like it doesn't say... You know, if you sort of compare that to Camel Up, mm-hmm. which I think Camel Up is actually an extremely successful game. Yeah. Yeah. The fun of Camel Up is you're betting and, you're, and you're, you're sort of... You're watching this race unfold. And Ready, set, bet is in a weird way kind of like the purest distillation mm-hmm. of that. Sure. Where it's like, no, we don't have to do a, a pyramid. We don't have to do all these things we don't have to have special rules for how the camels move you roll the horses move and we all know what it's like to say hey that one looks like it's gonna win mm-hmm. i'm gonna bet on it and so it's just it's drawn from a real mm-hmm. world experience it's based off a real world experience and so you have a merger of rules and theme that just mm-hmm. like make it sing you know and i think the way i would just i don't say like distill what you're saying trey uh or or sum up what i how i interpret what you're saying is like as games become more and more broke, you know, like in in the current fashion right now, like I don't know if the narrative keeps up with uh, with the amount of brokenness that it offers. I, I think there, right. you could say that there's a. You may want to have all these games with all these mini games and all that stuff. Like, I really like Trajan. Yeah. I, I tend to be good at it. <laughs> so, uh, but at the at the same time. Uh, it, there may not be the evolution of, of 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 that narrative, that storytelling, that you know, the theme that is, you know, appropriate for the size of the game. And I think yeah. I think that's where uh, a lot of times, like people feel like, ah, oh, this is just too. You're just doing things exactly. Like, and I use on Mars and Weather Machine as the example. Yes, because like on Mars, yeah. going to do that. I, I stole it from you. Perfect. No, you do it. I talk too much. Because like on Mars has to. It's busy, you know. Like you're you're doing a lot for a very little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but because you know this is it, and it, how many times have you planned uh, to put a habitat onto Mars? Been not many. Never. That's yeah. <laughs> not many. So it can all be done. <laughs> it can right? be done in a way that's not based off of real life experiences. It, exactly. But but it all makes sense. I said yes. I find the model of on Mars credible. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It it it. 
the, the narrative didn't mm-hmm. make sense. Well, it's like, you know, in like screenwriting or movie making or anything creative, like when you're doing like world, mm-hmm. world building. Internal logic. Yeah, there are sort of internal logic. There's uh-huh. like rules and there's a certain amount of buy-in that we have. Mm-hmm. And that's why if you see like maybe like a bad sci-fi movie or a bad, you know, any like you're like, wait, like sometimes why you don't even know where you are. You like know? I thought the rules were this, mm-hmm. but clearly it's not. And, but like so, like on Mars, yeah, we don't have experience or any idea of what it's mm-hmm. like to terraform, not terraform, but to like colonize Mars. Like, wait, you but, can use hyperspace as a weapon? <laughs> but the game, but like the game, kind of like makes sense. I sure. mean, it's like it's all craziness, but you were actually mm-hmm. like it's all in the service of like putting up a living quarters mm-hmm. and building something for oxygen, and and so it all, it's it it doesn't what happens. It constructed is, a narrative successfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're not like. What it, you don't wind up seeing through the emperor's clothes and, yeah, no. and saying like, oh, this is just an assemblage of mechanisms. Mechanisms. Yes. Yeah, no. And so yeah. you're able to sort of have fun with it like that. And, and, and that be, is the way I felt about Federation. I'm just seeing a series of mechanisms. And, and that's what I felt about Weather Machine. And, and it's how you and I felt about Weather Machine. Yeah. But to Jordan, when we were talking about it with Jordan, he, he, he thought it was great. And many people on our Discord. Yeah, exactly. And so... I wonder if there is this aspect where it also has to hit the person in the right way. Yes. Because, because like, I, that's I, why a teach really matters, by the mm-hmm. way. It, like, you have to really, like, especially if a game is going to be non universal as far as, like, like you, a teach should be framed for the person. Like, I remember when I taught Carnegie to Mike and, uh, and Dimitri, and I go, like, oh, I need to adjust how I teach this mm-hmm. so that. So that they're going to not only grok it but want to play this. Yeah, you know, and, and I and I think there is a skill set in that. Like you know, uh, some people have a naturally uh, generalized way of teaching that if everyone will like. Matt has that. Matt's the best yeah. game teacher in our group. Yeah, like yeah. Matt. Yeah, and, and I was I was listening as we were you were teaching Audubon. I was listening to how Matt was like uh, teaching uh, druids. Oak, <laughs> oak, and, and, and there was this inflection of his voice. And what happens here? I mean, you know, do, was, I, I, was I playing with you once where we made some joke like Ben? Why don't you teach like Matt? And I did like a Matt impersonation, and it was better. But it was actually a better teach. <laughs> and I tried to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I, I tried to do that, but like I think, but I'm like you. I I, I change for different people, mm-hmm. and like if mm-hmm. I feel like oh, there's a lot of rules that could be. That could be missed. Mm-hmm. I'm going to slow down a lot because I don't want to have a situation where yeah, someone feels frustrated. Yeah. But, you know, the theme is also like teaching a game is not just teaching rules. You're making a pitch. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So it's not just information. Right. So you have to try. Well, no, it's, it's, like, it's, if you it's went in to pitch try. a movie, if yes. you went in to pitch a movie and said, uh, this is a movie. So there are people live on Earth, and then there's an alien invasion, and so the people have to. I fight buy back. it right now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like kind of my concept, but like you know, oh, there's it's going to be fighting. It's going to be very exciting. Fight. They fight back, and there's yeah. this and that, and then the third act, and, and then there's like so someone gets abducted, and they have to go in, and, mm-hmm. and then in the end, they win it back. People might say, okay, but if you come in saying, so actually, you don't even say it's an alien invasion. You just say, oh, there are people living in a place. There's an external threat that comes in. And they have to push back against this external threat. And in the process, some people die. Some people are abducted. One person decides they're going to hatch a plan. They go and they they solve it and everyone's happy. I'll buy that too. <laughs> I'm Netflix. I'll buy everything. But if you say there's an alien invasion, like the color like, of the theme actually helps sell the game, makes people want to play it. Like, like, and this, this is how I would phrase it. Like, you know, uh, teaching a game is not giving information. That's part of it, but it's not that. Teaching a game is giving information and 
conveying to the person you're teaching to why they should care. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's about it's about going like, oh, you have stake in this. Yeah. You know, not only uh, not only for you to listen right now, but to know what you're doing, and in doing so, people can really. It's a it's a focus thing, like you know. Yeah, we've we've separated off a little bit, and anyway. we've gotten into yes. teaching. Like, I mm-hmm. do think that some that certain games do this themselves better. Like, yeah. some games are going to be harder to teach because mm-hmm. they're not as good at this whole mm-hmm. narrative guess, thing. The reason why I think we started to splinter off into teaching is because yeah. teaching is a way, like, to understand the theme the is is, yeah. is, part, is also a tool for that. Um, I also want to mention, by the way, that we were sort of talking about how like. Theme is really important because it helps with these Baroque games. Like, I think some of what you're saying is like, uh, you want theme to be intertwined with these Baroque rules to help the Baroque rules kind of work better, right? But I think also there is a, it can be dangerous that sometimes the rules become more Baroque because of the theme. And that has been a complaint that I've had on recent games mm-hmm. like John Company. Oath, which are both Cole Worley, sorry, Cole Worley, but other games where I felt have been, uh, as they say in writers' room, very sweaty, like working really hard to generate, to to serve the theme and make you feel like you're part of it. Um, and what happens is the rules become super Baroque because of that. Mm-hmm. And that's usually where I get actually very frustrated, where I'm like, oh, I, there's, I have to stop everything that I'm doing because I've got to pay a coin because that's what I would do if I were riding horseback in an intergalactic right. space cowboy game. Right. Know? And what you're talking about actually is like, we've actually been moving away from that. Like, because something like John company, it's not exactly an old school game, but there's a lot of kind of throwback is to, to, to that. If we, if you were playing and a board game in the seventies, people love sure, that game. And that's, right. And they did the work to get there. And like, that's a strong, interesting theme, historical theme. Yeah. It's a great theme. But if you, if you were playing an Avalon Hill game in the seventies, then these would have been very simulationist games where like what, how it actually worked in the real world mattered. And there would have been a rule, you know, in the, you know, 48 page rule book about, you know, germ, like Tom's example of like German canteens in the North African campaign were better than the allied. I, I, it wasn't canteens; or it, it was gas tanks. Oh, you know, like gas um, cans. So, right. so that's right. And you had to compute. But like that's the level. It's simu- <laughs> it's a simulationist tradition, right. and we are thankfully like getting away from that. And I think that's maybe a little bit of what you're talking about is like, yeah. okay, they've modeled too much here. They've been like too concerned with all of these different little things so that it, the game becomes inaccessible. Yeah, it, it's like it's it's working so hard to make you feel like you're having that experience that the that it, to me it gets in the way. But other people, it, it, it does work for them. I think Lignum is, by the way, an interesting example in this area because I think Lignum has been dinged a little bit about like, oh, I need a, I need a person to cut down the tree. I need a person to transport this. I need a person to do that. And it feels like, oh my God, like why do I have to get all these specific people? But I think because the theme of cutting wood Cutting wood and drying wood. <laughs> Delivering it. <laughs> the most exciting it down theme. The river. Guys, yeah. who wants to play a game about chopping wood? But like that theme, it it matches with it. So it like did it, help you understand it. Helps it. me yeah. be like, well, no, of course you need to have someone chop down the wood. Of course and you gotta have to have saw. How are you Don't gonna... you know about wood? <laughs> you know? Uh, it all reminds me of like rock band or guitar hero. Like it, when when that first came out, when those came out, like, you know, a, a common criticism was, well, why don't you just learn to play guitar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just learn to play guitar. Like, you know, like, uh, and. Yeah, right. People would say that all the time. And, and the answer is, like, that's not the point of it. The point isn't to really get good at uh, playing guitar. The good is, is playing music. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, so there's. Or playing at. 
being a exactly so so i i think what happens is like when you can have a, a game that can get into the uh the specifics and as long as that's what you're trying to do you know that's that that's what you're selling Mm-hmm. Then that's then you should do those. You should have get the saw. You should get the hauler or whatever. But like if a game is more about the idea of like playing at a rock band uh, mm-hmm. or getting someone to you know control the weather or whatever, right. like, you know, like then then there's a certain abstraction that is going to benefit uh, that uh, uh, that endeavor. That's mm-hmm. going to make it easier. Like you know your rock band, you know guitar here, you have four buttons five buttons yeah. and and but you with those five buttons you're playing at the feel of being a, a hero mm-hmm. it's in the name right <laughs> yeah and, and, and so like you know so in in that way i think what if, if there's a criticism to be had about like you know maybe kickstarter having all these games coming out and you know like like we have a, a much more influx of games than we had like a decade ago right sure. like you know that I would say, and this is my hot take, like maybe not everyone knows exactly what they're trying to aim for. And they're making these near misses and these near misses are causing a, a bit of frustration, you know, like, cause like, I think a lot of games that we really prefer know what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they know the experience that they're trying to sell and then they, they deliver, yeah. you know? Uh, and, and I think it, this, this, this aspect is actually quite hard. You know, like it takes skill, experience to do this, and, and like titans of the industry don't always succeed, right? So, so you know, so you have to balance a lot of things. That's not to say to slow stuff down. It's just say like, you know, this is something to consider. I, I I think at the end of the day, for me, that if if the act if your rules make sense with the theme, you're always just going to have a more successful game. And, you know, last week, I was going to mention this earlier, but actually it works right now. Last week, um, I was played um, two games with Candace. I played Roads and Boats and Soul, two sort of mm-hmm. older games. Candace is crazy for Soul, right? Listen, uh, you got to have Soul in life, you know what I'm saying? But Soul, but by the way... <laughs> you have Sun in life, still SOL? Here. I'm still here, man. <laughs> um, Soul, by the way, is coming back on Kickstarter. There's going to okay. be a Kickstarter for it soon. Now, Soul has a theme that is purely fictional. It's like you are maybe alien races that are spinning around the sun, gathering energy and then shooting yourself away from the sun at some point And you're building gates. Like it's gravity, all, gravity. it's like, yeah, it's kind of like mumbo jumbo, but the mumbo jumbo, internal logic, the internal logic all fits and everything you do makes sense within that theme. And on top of that too, by the way, the board, this big, beautiful sun that draws you right into that theme that helps you understand these rules better. And that's an example where what could have been a, a pure abstract game comes to life, makes you understand the rules better because there is a really good theme there, um, a really enigmatic theme. And then Roads of Boats is actually like a, in a weird way, hyper-realistic, even though it's not. In the sense that like... I'm making a face. Well, hyper-realistic in that um, a lot of games are like, you go here and you get this resource, you go here. This one's like, oh, if you want to get a raft, first you got to get the wood. Oh, and then you got to take the wood to the woodcutter. And then you got to take the woodcutter to here and get stones. Oh, and then you got to build the road to get to the raft. And you got to do this. It's like all the steps that go into logistics. It's work. It's work. 
and that makes sense too and so like <laughs> it should be extremely tedious sure but it's well, like fun tedium and you're like building all these things together you know yeah. and, and if like a, a duck and a donkey are in the same i'm gonna steal your donkey that's right, that's right. And donkeys won't have sex <laughs> let me give my like one example just to kind of land land the plane here like please my favorite game is agricola yeah and i think like, to, if we're going to put the test that mm-hmm. I think you've articulated there, Paul, I think you can say, like, what's the game of Agricola? It's like, mm-hmm. we're families of farmers. We're trying to build the best farm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, it's that simple. And then at the end of the game, everybody has a farm. And it is usually the case. There are exceptions. But generally, you can, like, look at the farms. And the one that wins will look like the winning farm. Mm-hmm. Like sure. that. So, like, there's mm-hmm. that continuity all the way through of like oh you have the best farm it looks like the best farm this looks like a winning like that's even something the players say like this looks like a winning farm to me you know at the Mm -hmm. at the end of the game you know let's see if the points actually add up that way right but it does have that kind of unity so i guess what we're ultimately trying to say is that um theme matters i guess is that what for us theme matters and that like a proper integration theme and rules like or like helps the baroqueness of yeah I think that's half, that's half of, of what we're saying, saying. that and we're, and like we're still you know I'm old man yelling at a cloud saying <laughs> like some of this stuff is just getting com- complex for complexity's sake and I don't like it okay <laughs> 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 well that's a good place to to to, to get to in well, our podcast sure you know? sure like, love it love it it's just too complex. So um, I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, um, that was super fun. And, and the crazy thing is, there are still so many other games that we didn't even yeah, that yeah. we even get to because we have some. But you know, we always have next week. That's right. We always have next week. So um, anyway, time to wrap this up. Thank you all for uh, for being here for listening. Let me tell you something that we have a YouTube channel, youtubecom c gamebrainpod We have a Facebook group which you definitely all should join. And we have a Discord channel, which I deeply recommend. There's lots of fun and occasionally feisty commentary that goes on there. Um, so go uh, go to our Discord channel. You've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, Trey Alsop, and Ben Mandelker. Special thanks to Datalist for our incredible music. More on Datalist at GameBrainPod.com. And thanks to Edmar Peleg for our incredible graphics. Be sure to check him out on Instagram at at Kerbuloni or on his website, Kerbuloni.com. You can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks for listening and go play some games with friends or make some friends with games. <laughs> oh, that was your only of the episode too. Sad. The only one.